Blog Talk Radio. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her edition of BAMS Radio on Block Talk Radio. I'm Kerry Clark, one of your co-hosts. I'm with Scout.com and BamaMag.com. Joined as always by Thomas Watts back in the studio of Touchdown Alabama Magazine and Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com. And we have got an extremely busy show again tonight for you guys as we continue to endeavor to bring you new different viewpoints and guests every week. Uh, We are scheduled to talk tonight to... uh, Alabama signee Elisha Shaw of Tucker, Georgia. We're also scheduled to hear from his teammate, Alabama commitment, Jonathan Ledbetter of Tucker, Georgia. And then next hour, an old friend and a well-known Internet poster in the Bama uh, universe. His name is LJS Law online. His real name is Jimmy Stein, and he will join us for the entire 9 o'clock hour, or at least most of it. And I think you'll enjoy his point of view as well. If you like hearing the conversations that Drew and I have, you'll love to hear from Jimmy because uh, the three of us are normally on the same page. Thomas, are you with us? I am with you. Sorry, I'm trying to get uh, Elisha Shaw on the line. (laughs) No problem. And Drew, are you with us? Yes, I am now with you after a meltdown. Well, I'll tell you what, I I like to never got my Skype to launch tonight. uh, That's why we were about a minute late getting in because, uh, anyway, but we're here. And we're glad to, we're glad to be here. And uh, Drew, I've already kind of given them a, a lineup of who all we got scheduled for tonight. And uh, Thomas uh, is gonna, just waiting on a couple of phone numbers, and he'll get those from you, which he's getting them right now. But wow, Drew, uh, since our last show, a show, <laughs> show, show uh, we've had three commitments for Alabama from the class of 2016. Two of them number one at their position. All three of them top 100 players. The machine just keeps rolling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people wondering uh, when the first domino would fall off 16, and it did so with Benito Jones, who we talked about a little bit on this show, who I'd been tipped off, was basically a private commitment to Alabama. You know, Benito had told me earlier he would probably decide, you know, closer to his senior season. 
but once he got on campus with his parents, you know, he saw everything, met the rest of the coaching staff. He'd only met about half the staff. And it was his second trip to Tuscaloosa after, you know, attending the A-Day game this past spring. And he just decided to go ahead and um, and pull the trigger. And it was, you know, a great thing for Alabama. Bo Davis is tickled with it. You know, he's a he was very good in the one-on-ones at the camp. Uh, this past week, and uh, he, he decided to jump on board on Sunday. And then after that, but two more campers, uh, Cheyenne Carter from Kentwood, Louisiana, who some people think the top corner in the 2016 class committed. He's been favoring Alabama for a while. Uh, does not have an LSU offer as of yet, wasn't worried about that, wanted to go to Alabama. And then the third one was Demetrius Robertson. Uh, some people think the number one wide receiver in the 2016 class in the country from Savannah, Georgia. And I just, a, a very well-known uh, quarterback on the West Coast is very thrilled, let's just say, Kerry, with those commitments. And that would be Blake Barnett, who has uh, become quite the recruiter in his uh, short time as an Alabama commitment, and more power to Blake for that. You and I have felt pretty good about uh, Demetrius uh, all along, and we're, we're glad to have these uh, three new commitments as part of the Alabama family. But, uh, Drew, we're going to be joined now by a current member of the Alabama family, a gentleman that i got a few things in common with. He just don't know it yet. But I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce our first guest, Drew. Absolutely. You know, we're at Bam, here at BAMS Radio. We, You know, every week we, we're thrilled to, to welcome new guests on the show. And this week it's a little bit different. We're going to welcome a 2014 member of the Alabama signing class to the show, with a unique story and a unique background, we think their audience is really going to like. Uh, and we, we'd like to welcome Elijah Shaw from Tucker, Georgia, to the show. And, Elijah, you know, welcome to the Bams Radio tonight, man. Thank you. Thank you. Elijah, we're really glad to have you, and we're going to get into your story here in just a minute. But i got to tell you, this is, uh, this is Kerry. I'm with BamaMag.com and Scout.com. Uh, but i got to tell you, uh, I'm very, very familiar with Tucker, Elijah, because I played at Stone Mountain. And, okay, um, okay. That's where uh, y'all's uh, stat guy, Bud King, graduated from before he became a Tucker man full time. Oh, yeah, Bud King. Bud King. That's the king right there. Everybody know Bud. And you know what my favorite thing about Tucker is? I uh, worked there for five years and lived there for one year. Uh, you know what my favorite thing about Tucker is, Elisha? What's that? Matthew's Cafeteria. Oh, yes, yes, sir. It's, it's uh, are you already in Tuscaloosa yet? Oh, not yet, not yet. I just left Tuscaloosa, actually. Okay. Well, when you get down there full-time, you need to go over to Northport and check out a place called City Cafe. Uh, it'll give you mm-hmm. memories of Matthew's Cafeteria. Drew, Matthew's Cafeteria is one of the best meat-and-three places in the whole Atlanta area, and it's right down there on Main Street in Tucker, and I knew Elisha would know about it. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Drew, go ahead and start the football questions. Uh, we, we absolutely, you know. For, well, Elijah, first, you know, for our some of our audience may not be as familiar with your story, but uh, just kind of tell everybody, give it a little bit of your background, and uh, you know what and what transpired in your career, because and what could still transpire, which I think is the most interesting part. But just kind of give everybody a quick little background about yourself as a as a football player and, and what your situation is now. Uh, well, my name is Elijah Shaw. You know, I grew up around the sport. You know, I was introduced to it at ten. You know, I've been around it ever since I was young. And then I performed. I, I grew a talent. You know, got talent from it. You know, and I progressed each and every time I stepped foot on the field. 
And so it just got better and better. You know, middle school, I was All-American, high school, All-State, All-Region, All-County. That's my junior year. And then uh, I was nominated to play in the Army All-American Bowl. And that's top 90 in the nation, one of the best games, All-American games to play in. And the um, spring before my senior my senior year of high school, at Tucker High School, um, I was at practice going on a board drill. Um, my head, when the form, the, the, I didn't tackle the right way, as you can say. Um, my neck was down. My head was down, and I went down with a hard blow to my neck, which kind of caused my body, you know, the, the blank out. My body went numb, you know. And I thought it was just a stinger, so you know, I sat there until I got, I felt I got control of my body again. Then I got back up, like in five seconds. It was, it was nothing. I got right back up, and then. You know, I just started. I was ready to go again, but I felt my neck, my neck numbing on me. You know, it was getting real stiff. You know, my coach, my head coach was saying, um, I'm, I'm good. And I said, because I'm good. You know, he just told me to don't overdo it. He said, you know, um, we'll sit down and we're going to get a doctor, I mean, the um, team doctor to look at you. And he told me to call my mom, and they sent me over there to our doctor. And when I went over there, you know, they put me in a brace. My eyes, I kept my eyes closed because my head was ringing, you know. So they put me in a brace and gave me some meds, you know, and sent me home and said, we'll bring you back for tests once I'm feeling better and the pain calmed down. When I came back, they, you know, they x-rayed me. They put me through a couple of x-rays, you know, the CAT scans and all that other crazy stuff, you know, the test, feel my arm, feel the nerves and all that stuff. And the doctor came back and told me, um, he walked in, you know, my coach and everyone said everything would be fine. You know, I thought it was just something, so I'd be out a week, come back, you know, be ready to play. You know, because I, I came off a great junior, se- a junior season, and I was ready to really to really showcase my talents, you know, to to become the five-star. I was out four-star. I wanted to become the best player, you know, and I didn't have a chance to be senior, so I had to stop where I was at. I was no, I was no one detox on the state and number two in the nation. So my senior year, I couldn't I couldn't complete my goals like I wanted to. So the doctor came in, and I'm thinking everything will be okay. The doctor came in and told me, said, I won't be able to play anymore. He said, it's just like that, nothing more, nothing less. He said, I won't be able to play anymore. And when he told me that, you know, my heart dropped. The whole world just came to a stop. Everything stopped moving. And I just, it was something, it was something very hard to, you know, to take in and to understand, but, you know, through time, I I still don't understand. You know, I couldn't believe it's me. You know what I mean? I just I can't sit with it. You know, I just can't I can't just sit down and you know accept it. I I refuse I refuse to accept it. So as of right now, you know, I train every day like I got a game next week. So I'm just I'm just I'm just a, I'm just a young man with a dream. You know, and I just don't want to be snatched from it. So yeah. I don't I want to do anything to hurt me. But I'm still I'm dreaming if and if it's not something I need to do that will cost me my life or cost me my my body movement, you know, I won't do it. But if it's something I can go around, you know, continue to chase my dream, I will be fighting towards it every day in the schools. Well, absolutely. And, and just uh, obviously you continue to train. What is your current height and weight? Uh, right now I'm 6'6". Six, six. Six six still, and you know I'm three ten. I went up on my weight, but it, I'm working on it. Absolutely. I mean, and if I remember correctly, when I first heard about you as a prospect, 
were you uh, weren't you kind of were you late uh, kind of a late late bloomer in football from the standpoint? Did you you didn't start playing until you were a junior? Is that correct? Yes, sir. I, um, because um, my sophomore year I wasn't eligible, so I wasn't playing. right. My ninth grade year I played a little bit. You know, when the freshman was getting blowouts mm-hmm. like that. Tenth grade year couldn't play. You know, I set out on a champion. They won the championship that season. Set out. I never got a ring at Tucker. Junior year, I was able to play. No matter of fact, I worked very, very hard in the class and in the field and in the weight room my junior year, while my sophomore year, while everyone else was playing. Then that summer, I just I started going to camps. You know, my first camp was um, Auburn. You know, I went out there and did that. You know, I did okay, and I didn't get my offer there. Went to Alabama, I killed the camp. Got my first offer. Alabama, no rankings, no nothing. You know, I was still going, I was still off on my grade. So, you know, Bama really just you know, had faith in me to do it out. So, you know, they let me know what I had to do. And I, I, I would chase, man, and pick my grades up, all that stuff. Yeah, I remember when you came to the camp and got your offer. That's when I first started hearing about you as a prospect. And, uh, and, and I mean, I, I, I guess this is kind of, it's harder to do because you don't really know but what would have happened if you had not been injured. But if you had been able to finish your career like you wanted to, I mean, uh, and been able to go through the recruiting process in a more normal fashion, because I know a lot of schools probably, you know, backed away from you uh, when you were injured. But what do you think, honestly, I mean, you can say this now, I guess, uh, with our audience, where do you, you think, were you always leaning toward Alabama or was with, with the way they stuck by uh. you, was that the biggest reason? Uh, that has a lot to do with the situation, but I was Alabama from the jump. I was Alabama from the jump. I was just living my recruiting life, you know. Um, when I when Alabama, you know, took that shot on me and took a shot on a kid, just a big kid, they didn't know nothing about, you know, and, and they knew I had great situations. And, and you know how many kids were at the camp, and it was only like two got offered, and I was one of them. And the way they had faith in me, which helped me really change my life around, look at things different. Now now I know I can go to school. Now I know they can pay for my scholarship. Now, I, you know, I can go to college. The first in my family to go to a university. Alabama really helped me see what, what I can really do, you know, lift my standards, strive for something. So that really helped open my eyes. And I, Alabama's a great program, you know, great program. And Tucker, at Tucker High School, of course, Mark Franklin Stevens, they're just great coaches, you know, they expect – Expect the best and nothing less. You know what I mean. So I, I wanted to follow in the same footsteps. That's that's the way I want to live life. You know, strive to be the best, nothing less. Elisha, uh, a lot of Alabama fans probably don't know this, but uh, one of the best wide receivers uh, in our history is an assistant coach at Tucker. I think now he's the OC, uh, Coach Todrick Malone. <laughs> Todrick Tell us a little bit about yeah, how his, what kind of job he's doing at Tucker. Oh, Ty, you know, he's been there for a couple of years, you know, and he's just been leading the team towards success, you know, offensive coordinator, you know, he's very great at his job, you know. I always talk to him about Alabama, man. That's one of that's one of that's a big, big, big Alabama guy, you know. Him and and um Coach Jones, T J Coach T J, um, you know, um they just the Bama love, they show me all the Bama love, you know. They show me what's a good school, they're not gonna if if I if I wasn't a fit for that school, they would tell me. They they would tell me and the coaches if I wasn't a fit for that school, and they know how you know I wanted to be great. They they coached me, so they you know they they led me the way there the whole time. 
And I'm glad you mentioned Coach Jones. He's talking about listeners. He's talking about Terry Jones Jr., uh, former Alabama tight end, whose dad, Terry Sr., is still one of the assistant strength coaches in Tuscaloosa. Now, when I looked at the roster of the coaches on the updated website, I did see Coach Malone. I did not see Coach Jones. Has he moved on to somewhere? Uh, yes, sir. Um, Coach Jones is now coaching. He's the OC at um, Grady High School. At Grady? Okay. Grady. There you go. How about that? Ain't nowhere near Grady Hospital, is it? <laughs> So what now? Is it near Grady Hospital? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's not, I don't know. It's downtown. I've been watching. I'm sorry, Elisha. I've been watching too much Tyler Perry. That's my bad. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Tyler Perry. Man. Sometimes when the guest comes on, we uh, I'm going to give you a fair warning, Elisha. Sometimes we, <laughs> sometimes we bring Medea on the line. <laughs> oh, here we go. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> she might come on here any minute like, hello, young man. I love you. <laughs> well, and, uh, and Elijah, I got I've got to ask you too because I think your story is amazing. If, there's a good, there's a you know uh, someone down there at Alabama now. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him or talk with him about it. He had a, a not a, not the same kind of injury, but he had a condition like yours where he had to, it shortened his high school career. But then he was cleared medically and became an All American and a uh, twelve time or a seven time Pro Bowler and played twelve years in the NFL. Had to give it up once the condition worsened near the end of his pro career. But have you talked to Chris Samuels at all? He's an off the field coach at Alabama, a uh, guy that works with the offensive line. Uh, he had a big, neck guy, big condition. Guy. Big guy, right? Yeah. yeah Former I, I, left I tackle for the Washington Redskins. Right. He's never gotten into it, into it, but I talked to him. You know, he's a great guy and a great personality, but I never sat down, you know, really, really talked to him. But I'm yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah I'm, he could definitely give you some pearls of wisdom because I think is he came out of a high school that I don't even think is 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 now extinct Shaw High School uh, in Mobile and a lot of when he was signed by Alabama they were they weren't sure if he would be able to play again his and they had gotten some medical reports but as you as everybody saw he was cleared and he you know he became a dominant football player one of the most dominant in Tide history and it's something you know you could look forward to I mean I will ask you what is the plan for you when you first get down to Tuscaloosa, as far as with your football now? Uh, the plan right now is, you know, I want to train train with the athletes, you know, train every day and they do, you know, and now I'm not going to hop in any contact, anything like that, more like conditioning. I really want to follow Kirby, Coach Thompson, all of them, you know. I really, really, you know, I want to work into coaching. You know, I want to I want to feed into my skills and, and, you know, and come, you know, one with football. You know, so I can be if, – if the football is not possible, I want to be a great coach. I want to be the number one coach, you know, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. You know, so I'm football. I'm gonna... I got to ask you, uh, Elisha, uh, looking at some of the names on the team, uh, you know, you, you obviously are named after uh, an Old Testament prophet, Elisha, right? Yes. And then you all also got a linebacker uh, coming up senior this year, Elijah Sullivan, uh, also named after a prophet. But uh, what were you thinking, letting, letting him uh, commit to Auburn? <laughs> um, well, you know, that's just a uh, commitment. You don't too much worry about those. Uh, but, you know, I will be working on, you know, I will be working on him. And speaking of working on people, I got to ask you this, Elisha, because Alabama fans, they get a lot, they get nervous. Uh, they get nervous when somebody from Tucker commits and I'm talking about John Ledbetter, 
because they always uh-huh. worry about Georgia or Auburn moving in on them and taking them away at the last minute. Because I ain't gonna lie to you, we you're really the first good player we've gotten from Tucker in many many moons. I mean, dude, maybe maybe ever. But people like Patrick Pass and all that, they'll end up in Athens no matter how hard we recruit them. And our fans are, are yeah. nervous. And I ain't going to lie to you, our fans are counting on you, Elisha, to help keep John Ledbetter committed. Now, how is that standing right now? Uh, well, you know, my mom and his mom's best friends, my brother and his brother's best friends, you know, he's my neighbor. He's saying three seconds away from me. So, you know, and and he knows the Bama love he get, and he knows it's real, you know. Georgia, you know, I always loved Georgia. You know, Georgia, you know, like I said, in my recruiting, it was the same process, you know. John, John, you know, he's living here. He's going through his recruiting. He want to do what's best for him. You know, if I, I let him know this every day now. I said, Bama is a place you want to come if you want to be great. You know, if you don't want to be great, if you feel like you want to be you want to be mediocre any day, you know, don't don't consider it. You know what I mean? Bama is is a school where you want to be want to go to be great. And John want to be great. You know, he's going to make the right decision at the end of the day. But like I said, you no worries. You know, like when I was in my recruiting process, I did the same thing. But it's recruiting. Here's how what I here's what I would have said to you a year ago. I didn't know you then, but a year ago I would have said, Elisha, you can be in the four team. NCAA playoff most every year you're, you're in college, or you can take Marta to the Chick Fil A Bowl. Your call. <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. Well, and I, I got a question for you, Elijah, because you obviously hadn't had a chance to play football for a while, as far as on the field. But to give the audience a, a chance to kind of about yourself as a player, I know you played some on both sides of the football, at Tucker. But what? It, it, I, I always like to have to ask the kids this: What do you What do you think your strengths were as a player and are? What do, What do you How would you describe yourself as a player? Oh uh, well, with me, you know, I'm you know my spirit is very uplifting. But on the field, I'm not gonna say that. You know, I'm gonna have fun. But if I feel that you're giving any type of negative energy with me, we're gonna be at it. We're gonna be in war. But my skills and my advantages on every other lineman, you know, I started off at AAU. I'm, I played ball with my feet. I would challenge my feet against any secondary. On a bas- in a basketball game, yes, I, I, you know, I was did stick a point guard. You know, I'm a I'm a skilled player in a big man's body. I always say that, and, you know. So it's it's just my my you know my feet, man. I'm great on my feet. You know, I'm just athletic. I'm very athletic, and I'm aggressive. Yeah, and what and, and what do you and what did you see yourself as? I mean, I think you're athletic enough to play on either side, but. What is the if, what is the Alabama coaching staff when they were recruiting you? What side of the football did they have you slated to play, offense or defense? Uh, defense, defense. Um, but I heard a little rumor about a little offense, but it didn't matter, you know, because once you get on the next level, it's anything to um, win the game. I got to tell you, when you when you're telling us you're six six and three ten, if you've got the long, the wingspan, and the feet, you're talking about, uh, you know, left tackles make a lot of money. And that's all I'm going to say on the NFL level. <laughs> it's true. I mean, and, and Big Sam, Coach Samuels, will, will will give you that talk later on when you get back healthy. And, and you know, and there, talk, there, there could be no better teacher for you if you uh, end up on the offensive line than Big Sam. Big Sam's probably the best left tackle ever to play at Alabama in 100-something years. Uh, but i got to tell you this, uh, Elisha, um, and you touched on this earlier, but a very respected writer – uh, by the name of Barrett Salee with the Bleacher Report, put out a story just a couple of weeks ago, 
and he gave reason to believe with interviews with doctors and all that your situation may still be able to turn around. That 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 really, I mean, and I could tell you have confidence in it, and you've put it in the Lord's hands, which is great. But it sounds like medically, you may you may still have a shot, brother. Yes, sir. You know, I did hear from a couple of dollars that you know, I'm mean, do something. It's something um, that you know I go into. But what a lot of people don't know is my my father is a pastor. You know, my father is a pastor, and I've been raised. I've been raised to live life by faith. You know, I, I've been raised that God is a jealous God, and there's only one man I should believe in, and that's God. And so I, I, I really, you know, the doctor's a doctor. He, he's there. He's wise. But I do have a father, you know, that's upstairs, you know, that look after my life day day by day. And, you know, I put my life in his hands. So he won't do nothing to hurt me. Well, i got to give you an amen on that. I mean, we're all believers on this show. And it, uh, it, may, it, it warms my heart to hear you. I did not know your father was a pastor. Uh, what church is he at? Uh, family Church, you know, Family Holy Temple, and there's also another Shaw, Shaw Temple, you know, it's a family church. The Shaw Temple. All right. That's awesome. Well, that's great, man. That's uh, really great to hear you say that. Drew, you got anything else for this young man? Well, I really do. And I was I wanted to, to ask Elijah, you know, first of all, you, you went through the recruiting process at Alabama, and I always like to ask people, what are and ask players who are you? I know you've been you've referenced Coach Smart several times, and was it, I first I guess my first question is was he your lead recruiter? And talk about your relationship. You're 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 in a unique situation because you went through your medical situation. But how did how were you treated from that point in the process? Did you still speak regularly with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart? And how did that go for you? Uh, well, well, I talked to a lot of the position coaches. You know, I didn't talk to Nick as much. You know. Um, before then, I only talked to Nick when I came down. But it was a man that was there in his family that I loved dearly. Coach Rump and Ms. Rump, I was so close to them, like, because I was almost a son. You know, they still contact me every day. I still contact them every day. His wife, I love, I love her very dearly. You know, this whole family, you know, he got two boys, you know, one Elijah and the other one, you know. So, so I had a very strong relationship with Coach Rump, a very strong relationship with Coach Rump. And Kirby, I had a very strong relationship with Coach, Coach Smart, too. So it was really Coach Smart and Coach Rump that I was very, very close to. And I guess in wrapping up, for because, you know, you've been on with us for almost a half hour. It's been a great uh, interview, by the way. And we want, what are your expectations now, I guess, in closing? I mean, with at Alabama – what is your plan to, when you uh, – are they going to – are you guys – you and the coaches, are you, I'm sure you've been in communication. Are you guys – are you is there still a chance this season that they could clear you, or what is the ultimate plan for you going forward, Elijah? Uh, the ultimate plan for me is, you know, go to University of Alabama, work my butt off day by day, you know, follow up with doctors. You know, I talk to the doctor, what can I do to get back on the field? I want to see them see me working. I want them to see me – see my body um, progressing, growing, and I want to get follow-up with doctor's appointments. And if and if it's not for me, it's not for me, you know. If it's not God's plan, it's not for me. So then I will, um, you know, let it sink in, you know, and find another pathway to success, you know. Football is just fine. One of my pathways to success, you know, but there's other pathways. So, therefore, I won't I won't give up. I, you know, get sticking to coaching. You know, follow follow Kirby and Coach Thompson. Follow right behind them, so I can become a great coach. You know, become a great coach. You know, graduate, and you know, stick into the coaching there. That's an awesome story, Elijah. 
We really appreciate you coming on BAMS tonight. We really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed your point of view, and we thank you for getting in touch with us and coming on and giving the, the audience your story. I'm sure they really enjoyed it, and we really look forward to, no matter where your path takes you at Alabama, we look forward to you being a part of the Crimson Tide family from here on out, and, and we really appreciate you being on BAMS tonight, and roll tide to you, Elijah. Thanks, man. From one DeKalb County player to another. Appreciate it, Elijah. Thank you. All right. Roll Tide. Well, that's Elisha Shaw. Uh, that was a great story, Kerry. I really enjoyed that. Well, it's the kind of thing that uh, just really warms your heart, you know, not only to hear of the young man's determination, but of his faith. That was my favorite part. Yeah, he's uh, his, his, head is, his head and his heart are both right. And yes. uh, Alabama's lucky to have him as a student, much less a potential athlete. And uh, I feel like that he's going to, uh, you know, not only have a great time down there, whether he ever plays again or not, but I feel like that the way that Alabama honored their commitment to Elisha is going to resonate with other players from Tucker and, and even all of DeKalb County, which, as you know, Drew, is a is a hotbed of football talent. I mean, you got high schools like Stevenson and, you know, Tucker and all kind of – I mean, it's just – it's a hotbed. I mean, Columbia, I, you know, they they put out tons of football players every year in DeKalb County. Some of them go to Tech, some of them go to Georgia, some of them go to smaller schools. But, you know, having someone like Elisha in the fold is only going to help that situation. That was a great interview, and uh, we appreciate you getting him very much. i got to tell you a funny story, Drew. Um, I, I, I want to – first, let me start off with a prediction uh, because we have – uh, we have another announcement coming up, but uh, it's a guy you've been pushing for all along. And finally, this Friday, we're going to hear from Brandon Kennedy. Uh, and, and as we speak, I'm being bugged by someone at my office about what is Brandon Kennedy going to do on Facebook chat, and the guy won't leave me alone. I feel confident about Bama, Drew. How about you? <laughs> Very, very, very confident. Okay, very well, hard. good. And this young man that's uh, wanted to play for Alabama all along, uh, mm-hmm. he, he was waiting on, on an offer, arguably the top center prospect in the country, definitely the best interior lineman in our state this year, and uh, probably a guy a month or six weeks ago that Auburn thought they had locked up. But as they used to say on Saturday Night Live, uh, but no. Things have changed, no, it's, it's always a great sign when the young man comes to camp, Kerry, and buys a new Bama shirt to wear. Oh, uh, it is. I, you know, I mean, what, what can you say? Yeah, and I think, and when he also is on Twitter today, tweeting at Blake Barnett, follow me back, bro. I saw that. I saw that. I retweeted it. Uh, like <laughs> I said, you know, Blake Barnett, in addition to being the number one quarterback at the Elite 11 and dominating the opening, and already starting a, a chemistry with Calvin Ridley, another great receiver, coming to Alabama. Uh, Blake is turning out to be a hell of a recruiter, Drew. Yes, he was very excited. Uh, again, when I, com- I informed him of the commitments yesterday of the two kids, and then I did inform him of Brandon Kennedy's impending decision, and that I felt like Alabama was in very good shape for the young man. I believe they are. And he is an early enrollee, much like Blake is. Uh, he will come in January. He's a uh, he's, he's a key young man. When he makes his decision this Friday, uh, he's uh, got a 23 on the ACT, carrying a 4.16 GPA. That's Brandon Kennedy, who is an offensive lineman out of Wetumpka. Uh, very I'm on, possible. I'm on, 
Yeah, go ahead, Kerry. I'm sorry. Very possibly a, a soon commitment to Alabama. And, Drew, one of the people he could very well be going up against in practice who is uh, already committed to Alabama, our second Tucker Tiger of, the, uh, of this hour, after we just got off the phone three minutes ago with Elisha Shaw, we want to welcome in now another Tucker Tiger, John Ledbetter. John, what's going on, brother? Welcome to Bands Radio. What's going on? <laughs> I'm glad to be on. Uh, how are you guys I doing? I got to tell you what I told Elisha, man. Uh, you, you already know Drew, the guy that lines you up with the Alabama Intel. This is Kerry, Kerry Clark with Scout.com and BamaMag.com. And I got to tell you a couple of quick things that I told Elisha. Number one, I know about Tucker because I played at Stone Mountain. Uh, <laughs> number two, my sister graduated with y'all stat man, Bud King. You know, he was a Stone okay. Mountain man yeah. before he was a Tucker man, right? Yes, sir. You know I the know King, that. right? All right. Mm-hmm. And number three, my favorite thing about Tucker, Georgia Matthew's Cafeteria. Talk to me now. Every Friday, every Friday, it's a routine. You know, we you got to get that pregame meal and get your uh, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, and a roll. And uh, you know, you got to set the chicken off with the. You know, you don't use hot sauce. You got to use a one sauce. <laughs> that's that's how you get it nice. <laughs> hey, I like that. Yeah. I was telling Elisha. Also, uh, like I said, we just told Elisha uh, a couple minutes ago. It's a place in Northport, just across the bridge from Tuscaloosa, called City Cafe. You might have already heard about it, but if you hadn't, you got to check it out because it's very close. No, I, uh, I, and how? They... Oh, you already had it? I, no, I haven't. I haven't heard of it. I haven't tasted it. Okay, it's called City Cafe. Uh, it's just across the bridge in Northport. And if you like Matthews, you'll like City Cafe. So uh, there's your first tip about eating places in Tuscaloosa. But uh, we are going to talk football. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to go ahead and let Drew start asking the football questions. I'm going to chill just for a minute. <laughs> well, first of all, Jonathan, we, we appreciate you joining us tonight again on BAMS, man. We know you're busy, and I know you told me that via text yesterday you were uh, at a football camp. I, I enjoyed it. What exact camp are you at right now? Uh, we actually came home. We came home. Uh, we didn't end up. We spent the night last night and the night before. Um, it was a spot. It was in Spalding County. Um, okay. It was like a defensive camp, so – a bunch of schools there, like uh, Creekside was there, Lovejoy High School, um, a bunch yeah. of other schools and stuff. So. Montreal so Custis? Yeah, uh, hey, hey, Montreal Custis has been a guest on this show. So we, mm-hmm. we've we had the Lovejoy connection going on. Now we've got you. Uh, and I've got to ask you, man, because I know you got a chance to experience it. I, you know, I saw the pictures. I know you got a chance to spend a lot of time with some of your fellow commits out there. But, First of all, just put in words, you know, how you how the, how the experience was at the opening. Because very few people get to do that. Very small percentage of high school football players are chosen. What was your experience like in Beaverton, Oregon? Um, it, it, I can't even put it in words. Really, um, it's just it was a phenomenal trip. Um, I was really overwhelmed going at first. Um, I knew it was going to be a lot of competition. That's not that wasn't really the problem. But you know. It's just a big place, and, you know, it's so much to do there, and, you know, they had everything booked for us. So I, I had a really good time. I mean, it was just really humbling. You know, you get an opportunity to go compete against the top guys in the nation and, you know, just kind of better your skills and kind of work on your craft a little bit. Um, and, you know, just with some better guys, some more high-caliber guys, and, you know, you can see who potentially you're going to be playing against in college football. So it's, it's just a great opportunity and a great experience overall just to be able to, you know, get into a high-class event like that. And I've, I've got to ask, you got to, you had a chance. There's not many, and it's really, for your situation, there's not nearly as many linemen invited to it. 
but just kind of talk oh. about I and, and, and you know we all watched the TV coverage. There wasn't a ton of linemen coverage, but just kind of talk about how you felt like you held your own and you did because these guys basically most of them or all of them are considered the elite of the elite. How did you feel like you performed in Oregon? Um, well, I feel like I did great actually um, against some of the top guys. I mean, you know, you got to realize you're not going to win every single rep, and you know, but the reps you do lose, that's really where it counts the most because you kind of can tweak your, your technique and just, you know, the kind of moves you do and how you go through your, your process and your, like, your thought process of how you're going to attack the situation. So, I mean, we, we, got a, we had a lot of good coaching, so even when you did make mistakes, you know, the coaches were there to help correct you and, you know, help you realize what you did wrong. And the um, thing we really took use of, we had uh, film sessions um, after practices. So we went and watched film. You know, we watched the linemen, te- their technique, um, the offensive linemen and their tendencies. And, you know, a lot of defensive linemen, they go off of, offensive lineman tendencies. So it, it was really helpful and, you know, just a whole opportunity to, like, learn from some of the greats. So. Yeah, and i got to ask you that, too. That's another – I wanted to piggyback off of that because I'm familiar, of course, with Trent Dilfer and a lot of those guys. I've seen the Elite 11 coverage before and who he gets to coach his guys. Who all worked with you guys? Who were the defensive line and offensive line coaches you guys got to work with? Um, well, my, our main coach, um, Kennard Lang, he graduated from Miami. Um, I know him pretty well. We're really close. Um, he uh, coached me at the Atlanta NFTC, and I met him before at another camp. And, you know, we kind of just exchanged information and kept in contact. And I didn't even know he was going to be coaching at the opening. He kind of surprised to me. So <laughs> when I got there, you know, he kind of welcomed me, and, you know, we kind of talked for a little while. And he was one. Of, he was the main coach. And, um, you know, there's a lot of NFL players out there. Like, Sue was out there. Um, I actually had – I wore his number. I had number 90 on my jersey. So, he, we wow. had – I talked with him for a little while. So, I mean – and there's a bunch of other guys. I, I forgot who else was out there. But there's a, there a bunch of other guys. Like, not even just DNs, like other positions, just universal positions. Like, Johnny Manziel came and talked to us. Um, Tony Dungy talked to us. Uh, it is is Great. I mean, just absorbing knowledge from all those great guys is just, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And I and I think if I went to the Birmingham NFTC Combine, which is one of the regional combines that qualified mm-hmm. prospects for the opening, and I believe Kennard Lang was coach. I, I spent a lot of time with the defensive line. There was a lot of talent there. And, and I think Kennard Lang was coaching over there. He's an intense guy. He's, oh, yeah, he's a yeah, no-nonsense yeah. guy. He gets a lot out of his guys, and I can imagine you learned a lot. But uh, I, got, I guess the, the other question is, how, 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 how did you enjoy, you know, spending so, many, so much time? Because there's, you know, ten commitments from Alabama and other targets there, like they're on pain. But how did you like spending all the time with your fellow commits at the opening? How, how was that for you? Uh, it's fun. You know, I don't get to see them all the time. You know, I see them when I'm at Bama. And, you know, whenever we can make trips up there, because not everybody gets to go at the same time. So, I mean, whenever we're all together in the same place, it's just it's a great time. You know, we get to hang out, talk to each other. You know, we don't see each other often. We text and stuff like that. But, you know, it's kind of different when you get to hang out with your boys in person and, you know, just kind of kick kick back and relax, you know, just talk, talk about some stuff and, you know, just think about the future and what we're going to do as a team together at Alabama. Well, one thing I got to ask you, this carry again. Um, a lot of Alabama. Well, we told this last half hour because we had Elisha on, but uh, there's there's uh, not been a lot of Alabama guys come from Tucker. 
Uh, I wanted to ask you about maybe some conversations you might have had before he left for Grady with Coach Terry Jones and also the current OC at Tucker, Coach Tyler Malone. That was two of the better players to come through Tuscaloosa. Uh, what have those guys told you about Alabama, John? Um, well, Coach Malone, you know, he he was, like, kind of psyched. I didn't tell him like, hey, I was going to commit or anything, but, you know, he knew I was getting some interest. He knew I got an offer for him, and he's real cool with Coach Smart. But um, he told me, you know, you, you got to be a dog, man. You got to go there and be a dog. He's like, it's not a game. Um, he's like, it's not just like regular college football. You put on a whole different pedestal just because it's Alabama, you know, there's a legacy behind it. So he told me you got to come in there with heart, and, you know, you got to be willing to, you know, sacrifice your body. But that's just like regular, you know, regular football. So, and he was just telling me that um, it's a whole different world. Like once you get there, you know, they they treat you good. Now when you get there, it's on. But you know, they got you. You know, you're there, and you got to put in the work to, you know, get where you want to be. Well, and you know the thing is, Alabama has recruited a lot of Tucker guys over the years, and, and they get a lot of interest from them. And then at the last second, they'll go like to Georgia or to Auburn. I'll be honest with you, John. Our our fan base is worried, sick that that's going to happen with you. Is there anybody? Is there anything you can tell the fans who are listening right now about how firm your commitment is to Alabama? Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, everybody thinks I'm going to flip to Georgia. Like I, we had media day at my school today, and um. Uh, some Georgia guys. I'm going to dog night with uh, one of my friends, Chauncey, uh, Chauncey Rivers. I mean, everybody thinks I'm going to flip because of him, but, I mean, we're just really good friends. I mean, it'd be cool to play, you know, at the same college and stuff with your with your high school friends, but at the end you got to look past that, and I just kind of looked past that already, and I decided, you know, you don't want to just go to a school with your friends. You want to go to a school that's going to fit right for you. And, you know, I feel like Alabama is the perfect fit for that, so. <laughs> You know, there's, there's really unrivaled. There's no other match to it, so there's no worries on that end. Well, John, I, I don't want to put uh, words in your mouth or anything, but how, how big was it to you with the way that Alabama and Coach Saban and Coach Smart uh, stuck by Elisha even after he got hurt? Um, I mean, he's a great player, you know, and that just goes to show how quickly football can be taken away from you. But the fact that they honor his scholarship, you know, that, that just – you know, that's just a monumental, like, statement, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't have to do that, and, you know, they're just honoring their scholarship because he, he was committed to them for a while, and, you know. And um, that just goes to show, like, how compassionate their program is. You know, they still want to better him as a young man beyond football, and it just shows me how the whole program isn't about football. It's not what people, you know, track it up to be. And, and the wise I've got to ask you, I mean, I guess, obviously, since he was, I mean, or excuse me, I, talking about Elijah, uh, Jonathan, I mean, I know it had to be big for you to, uh, to how they treated him, but just talk about, he was telling us that you guys are pretty, are, are close, your two families are very close, you live near one another. Uh, is, is he, has he continued to uh, try to, to recruit you to Alabama and want you to come with him, or how has he handled the process with you? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't really pressure me like that. I mean, he knows you know, that we're going to end up in the same school together. So <laughs> he doesn't really speak on it too much. But literally, we live right down the street. Like, I walk to his house right now and be there in about two minutes. So <laughs> we really do everything together. We train together. You know, we eat together. I eat at his house. Sometimes he eats at my house. And, you know, it's really just kind of a family thing. We're just close-knit like that. Um, it kind of started when I first came to Tucker. I've only been there for a year. Like, I went to private school. But um, when I came over, he kind of took me under his wing, and he was like, 
yeah, I just want he's like, I want you to be like me or you be better than me. And he was just like, you know, I can see you got talent. He's like, we're going to work, and we're going to get it done. And then that's what we did, you know, as a kind of a pair together. And, and, and I was really excited to go into my first season, you know, be playing side-by-side side with him. But, you know, things happened for a reason, and, you know, kind of it was kind of sad to me, you know, I wasn't able to play with one of my – basically my brothers, you know. That's how I see him right. as my brother. And um, I just kind of had to sit back, you know, think about the whole situation. And I'm I'm really excited that, you know, Alabama on a scholarship and we can still have the opportunity to go to school together. Not putting you on the spot or anything, but uh, whose mom was a better cook, you or him? Uh, <laughs> I have to say they're pretty even. They're pretty even. It depends on what they make. Like, I know my mom, she'll try to make, like, weird stuff. Like, she sticks to, like, homemade recipes. She's got it, you know what I'm saying? But some days she'll, like, go to public or something and see the lady that, like, has a little advertised card and try to make that, and it won't be so good, you know? But uh, his mom definitely, she sticks to the recipe. This is really good. That's what it's amazing. Yeah, and, 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 I, and John, I've got to ask you, too, um, are you, so you are you are planning to visit Georgia? Uh, what, what have you? Uh, when is when is the last time you visited Alabama? And do you plan on taking another visit? Obviously, they had a camp this week, but are you planning on visiting Alabama again before your season starts? Oh yeah, I was supposed to go to the camp. Um, we got back from Oregon, and Elijah went down there, and I didn't know he was going. And um, he texted okay. me; he's already on the way there. So I kind of missed my ride there, and I tried to get another ride up there from one of my trainers. But um, he had to do some training because he coaches at uh, Grady High School now. So he had to um, do some training with some of his players, so he wasn't able to take me. So I told Coach Saban and Coach Smart and all of them that um, I was going to have to, you know, do a rain check and try to come up there another time. You know, they just – they really, they just welcome me to me. They, you know, just say come up here whenever you can, whenever you want to. Just come hang out, you know, just say, hey, <laughs> you know, we love to spend time with you, you know. It's really like a family thing. They're, they're – they care about me a lot. They're always talking about me. You know, uh, Coach Saban, uh, well, Coach Smart tells me he can't go a week without having me on the phone. So <laughs> he'll freak out if I don't talk to him every week. So, <laughs> Well, and i got to ask you because I ask all, every, you know, uh, young man we have on the show. But first of all, just to give our audience a, a picture because they, they see things and read, but you can tell them yourself. I know you've been training hard. You're getting ready and y'all are getting into – fall camp will be here before you know it, and Tucker will be grinding. But what is your current height and weight? And then what did uh, what do you and what do you, right now as a football player? I like to ask every kid this: What do you think your strengths are as a player? Um, well, my current height and weight is I'm six four, two hundred and seventy three pounds. And um, really, I would say my biggest asset as a football player is really just kind of my explosiveness and just strength overall. I could work on my explosiveness, explosiveness some more, but really just like raw power. I, you know, I kind of just shed blocks and you know throw people off of me, like offensive linemen. You know, I'm really good at pressing them and getting off the block, whether it's a pass or a run. And what, what do you think you really need to work on to get better going into your senior season? Uh, definitely speed. Definitely speed. I definitely work on my speed. You know, getting getting around uh, defenders without letting them put hands on me, and um, just been in the corners quicker. Right. And, I, and I've got to ask you, 
because there's been because we just talked to Elijah and he had a really really close relationship still does with Chris Rump who's now the defensive line coach at Texas. But how have you? What's the transition been like for you with Bo Davis? He's he'd been there before. Now he's returned. What kind of relationship in this time period have you been able to build with Bo? Oh, um, we're really, we're really close too. I mean, he's he's definitely a character. I always hang out with him whenever I'm in there. We're always in the meeting rooms, just talking, hanging out with the players. You know, just seeing what they do on a day-to-day basis. And he's a great coach. You know, I've been I've seen him in action, and uh, you know, he he likes to have things organized. When things aren't organized, he freaks out. So <laughs> he has a spirit. But he's a great guy, I wanted a great to, guy, great coach. Okay, well, that's cool. Uh, John, I wanted to ask you about um, a gentleman that you'll be playing against in a game that I'm actually coming to scout. Uh, I write a column on BamaMag.com called Friday Night Lights where I go out and look at Bama prospects and all. And uh, I had never been to a Tucker game, but I'm coming on the 7th of November at Adams Stadium when y'all play Lakeside. So I'm looking forward to seeing you play that night. But Lakeside has, a, uh, Lakeside has an offensive tackle that's getting a lot of SEC looks. A guy Big named Mike. Michael Horton. Yeah, yeah. Big Mike. Big Mike. So that's tell us a little bit about Big Mike. Um, I actually saw him today. We had media day at my high school, and, you know, all of the Cass County schools are there. So um, I saw him today. We're, I'm, we're real good friends, actually. You know, we like to compete when it's on the field. But, you know, off the field, we talk, and, you know, He's a good guy. You know, I've met his mom. He's met my mom. So, you know, it's kind of that, that kind of friendship thing there. But when, you know, when you get on the field, it's a whole different thing. But he's definitely a great player, great player. Um, he's quick. I mean, for his size, he's really fast. I mean, he's just a big body. You can see that when you look at him. Where is he at in his recruitment? Uh, I have no idea. I don't know what he's thinking right now. You know, when I talk to my friends that are, like, a lot of major recruits and stuff, I don't normally ask them, you know, where they want to go because I know for me it's a, kind of, it's a hard process to go through, so I don't want to pressure anybody else, you know, because I wouldn't want them pressuring me. Well, we're not, we're not going to tell Elisha and Makai Brown all them to back off on you now. I'm Blake. <laughs> <laughs> we will we'll back off, but we're not going to tell them to. <laughs> Well, and I, and and you and uh, and again, uh, Jonathan, you play at a tradition-rich program on the high school level. Tucker's been known for as long as I could, as long as I've you know followed high school football. I've been hearing about Tucker, but I guess kind of uh, and Kerry, you know, asked this question of Deontay Thompson, who we had on the show uh, just recently. Uh, talk about, I guess, for a couple weeks ago. Talk about uh, the tradition at Tucker and. Does, is, is I would imagine with the tradition you guys have, it's football centric in the in the town. How uh, what is it, how has been the? I know you you transferred from a private school. What's the experience been like being a part of their program? Um, I mean, I was just grateful. You know, they welcomed me into the program. You know, with open arms. Um, I had to fight my way onto the field, just like every other player does. But um. Uh, Definitely, there's, there's a lot of community support. Everybody supports Tucker, you know, Tucker Tiger. Not even just football, every sport, really. I mean, even, like, down to the swim team, you know, everybody is is out there, you know, supporting their people in the community. There's somebody we're, we're kind of, like, really close-knit. So, I mean, it's just a great it's a great community. You know, everybody's like a family, really. It's, 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 it's a unique situation, Drew, and I, and I can tell you, having, having gone to Stone Mountain, uh, what it's like at Tucker because Tucker is part of the Cab County schools and it's it's not that far from Atlanta but and and even though they do play in county stadiums 
it's still a situation where the town of Tucker supports those Tigers, win, lose, or draw. They love them. And, I mean, it's been like that forever. I mean, I, I ain't going to lie. I, John, I played in the 70s. It was like that then. And uh, Tucker is just – it's a small town outside of Atlanta, uh, and, and it's part of Metro Atlanta. But when it comes to football, particularly in that high school, you know, it might as well be a small town in Texas. It's that big of a deal of those people. Yeah. It, it really well, is. It's, we don't take it lightly. You know, football is, is really a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, and I've got to ask you because it was obvious from what a lot the way Elijah was talking about him and the way you have already because you said you talked to him pretty much every week. But I know he, Coach Smart, uh, was an integral in your recruiting process and as far as you choosing Alabama. But what kind of relationship do you have with Coach Smart? Sounds like it's a very close one. Oh yeah, he's he's a really really laid back coach when it comes to just you know off the field stuff. And, you know, he, he really looks out for you as a recruiter and also as a player um, when you're there. And um, he's just a really phenomenal guy. He's respectful, you know. He he has a lot of great qualities. And, um, uh, yeah, he's, he's a really good guy overall. And I would definitely say on the field he turns into a whole different monster. <laughs> he, he gets down to business. You know, that's, that's a good thing. You know, you have a different side to you. You have – you know, kind of the friendly side off the field, you know, you can have a coach like outside of football, like this, you know, I don't want to say like a life coach, but someone who can, you know, guide you through some of the struggles you might be going through off the field and also somebody that can help you on the field. Yeah, it really sounds, it really sounds like he, he's done a great job recruiting you and made quite an impact on your life. And I guess the one, the one last, thing one of the last things is what do you what do you uh what is your plan from here on out i mean obviously you guys had media day today it's really starting to get cranked up what are your plans or what are you going to be working on from here on out to get to prepare yourself and what are your expectations for tucker this season in your senior class because it's always it'll be over before you know it i've always i always thought about that my high school you know years went by in a flash what are your expectations going into the 2014 season I uh, definitely have a high expectation for my team. You know, we made it to the state finals last year. We uh, came up short against Creekside. So um, I'm really hoping to come back, you know, this year and just go ahead and fight for that state title, move into a new division, new competition. So there's going to be a lot of new challenges that we're going to face, but I'm pretty sure, you know, Tucker as a whole can just overcome those. You know, we overcame a lot of things. So it shouldn't be a problem. All right, well, let me ask you one last question for me then, John. Uh, when I come to this uh, Lakeside Tucker game in November at Adams Stadium, uh, obviously I'll be checking you out, but tell me about some of the juniors and sophomores on Tucker that will be getting some D1 looks. You said some sophomores? Or juniors, or up, upcoming upcoming juniors, upcoming sophomores that might have D1 potential? I uh, would well, definitely, um, I call, we call him TP. Um, his name is Tavares Peterson. He's a DN. Uh, what number did he get here? I believe he had seven this year. Um, he's riding with me to dog night. You know, I'm definitely trying to get him some looks. He's a great player. And he's he's kind of built like me, except he's skinnier. He's a more skinnier, faster version. <laughs> but he's definitely a great player. He has a lot of heart. And, you know, he's got two more years to play. So, you know, he's definitely going to be a leader when my senior class leaves next year. And also, uh, sophomore. No, actually, I believe he's a freshman. Freshman receiver, he has the best hands I have seen in a receiver in a, in a long time. 
And also, you know, that's speaking, I was at the opening, and there's a lot of good receivers there, especially like Calvin. He made that one-hand catch. You know, I won't speak on that too much. You know, that has his own story. But he definitely has great hands, so he'll definitely be getting a lot of D1 looks in the what future. What was his name? Um, his name is Josh, Josh, Joshua Van. Okay. Um, we have any an any uh, sophomores at all? Yeah, um, offensive lineman. His name is uh, Lassan. All right. Cool. Yeah, it really sounds like uh, you guys, are, once again, are going to be turning out prospects. And, John, you know, we, we really appreciate you coming on BAMS tonight. You know, we really enjoyed it, you and Elijah both. It's been a quick hour. Uh, you brought a lot of insight into, and I think hopefully ease some of the angst with the Alabama fans. It sounds like you, you're very ingratiated into the Alabama program. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on, and we, we're glad that you had such a positive experience at the opening. That has to be a thrill. And uh, we, we're going we're gonna to definitely be keeping an eye on you and following your career carry. We'll definitely be covering your game in November. But we hope to check in with you again, hopefully during your high school season. And, again, man, we really thank you for coming on uh, BAMS tonight and Roll Tide. All right, Roll Tide, no problem. Glad to, glad to be on. You know, I'd love to be on another time. Just uh, let me know when you guys want to have me on. <laughs> All right, we will. We'll have you back. Maybe we'll get the schedule and have you come on during y'all's bye week or something. We really appreciate it, John. We really do. Thank, Thank you, man. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, right. you've just been hearing from Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, outstanding defensive end for the Tucker Tigers, a rising senior Alabama commitment, and you heard him talk about how firm he is. And uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do now, Drew, because we have a full hour uh, coming up after the top with uh, LJS Law, uh, known in real life as uh, Jimmy Stein, uh, one of the more knowledgeable Alabama recruiting and depth chart type of guys I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. But while Thomas uh, gets Jimmy on the line, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back in about uh, maybe three or four minutes. But for now, we're going to take a pause, and we'll be back after the top of the hour. You're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Get ready for a touchdown of savings that will make you want to do your own end zone dance. With Atlantic Bedding and Furniture. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture. Unlike the chain furniture stores, Atlantic Bedding and Furniture gives the Bama fan a choice. In fine furniture at super low prices. We have over 30,000 items always in stock. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture will have exactly what you need for your rec room, man cave, or however you wish to celebrate that latest Bama victory. Our selection includes Simmons, Serta, Broyhill, and other name brands at a fraction of what other chain stores charge. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture is close by in Pelham, Alabama on Highway 31. Come see us or check out our website at www.AtlanticBeddingAndFurniture.com. www.AtlanticBeddingAndFurniture.com. Atlantic Bedding and Furniture, the place to shop for great furniture deals with financing available.
is one minute after the hour, and welcome to the second hour of BAM's radio, uh, Block Talk Radio. Uh, this is Kerry Clark with Scout.com, BamaMag.com, joined as always by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com, and back in the studios running the boards and getting the callers on the line and all the fun stuff behind the scenes is our producer, Thomas Watts, of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Last hour, we heard from Elisha Shaw uh, and also... Jonathan Ledbetter, both from Tucker High School. We had Tucker Tiger Hour, and uh, we do have another guest about to come on. But, Drew, before we bring him on, I think we should give at least 30 or 45 seconds to honor the uh, retirement yesterday of Sarah Patterson, 36 years the head coach of Alabama Gymnastics, six national championships, 110-0 and 0 against Auburn. She will be missed, but I get at the same time, I feel like the program is in good hands. No doubt, and it's a, it's a tradition-rich program, Dana Duckworth, you know, and we'll be uh, taking over. And uh, she's been around the program for, you know, almost 20 years. She was a, an Alabama gymnast. She understands the culture and what needs to happen. You know, uh, her assistant, uh, got, he, he will be moved up. He, uh, he, he has been with the program uh, almost 15 to 16, 17, 18 years. He's been, you know, around a long time, and uh, so it's going to be a, a smooth transition, but still surprised a little bit. Did not realize that, you know, Coach Patterson was going to have two knee replacements. Uh, you know, my mother had, a, had had a knee replacement. It's never easy, but I will say this. I, I, I uh, put out the press release on my website, and I think the title is that I use is, is accurate. She is a true crimson legend, and she uh, – she established the sport of gymnastics and is a college is a legitimate college sport, and that cannot be understated. Uh, you know, her and Suzanne Yockelin had a lot to do with getting uh, gymnastics to the forefront, and they are two. Or you could argue, I don't really think it's arguable. I think they're the two greatest gymnastics coaches of all time. And uh, and but I will say this: one had more class than the other. And we are very, very honored that she was at Alabama, and uh, she is going to be still around the university in the athletic department, which is a which is a thrill. And it was just great having someone of her stature and her husband uh, be such an asset to the program at Al at the athletic department at Alabama for so long. And I was honored uh, way back in the day in 1987 and 1988 to serve as her PA announcer. And uh, yeah. she was always awesome. great to me. She actually recruited me to do that because she'd heard me doing women's basketball games at Alabama. And I always enjoyed being around Sarah, her family, her program. Uh, I'm glad to know she's still going to be around. I'm glad to know, as you pointed out, that Brian Rashilla is going to stay on yeah. as the top assistant. So all that is great news for Alabama Gymnastics. But we surely wanted to uh, – we'd have been remiss not to mention – the great contributions made by Sarah Patterson here on BAMS Radio. But and, at this and point, I've got to say one more thing, too. is a native Huntsvillian. Her husband is from Huntsville. I believe he's a graduate of Grissom High School. And uh, so the whole – there's a definite – you know, there's – so that's a tie here to my community. And uh, we're just glad and honored that and, – and just it's, it's awesome what she accomplished, she and her husband. And I used – and I like that even though she was really the head gymnastics coach, she always – when you on the when you look at their bio on the university website, it's always Sarah and David Patterson, and they were you know they were joined at the hip, and they were a, a definite team. That's exactly right. Uh, David went from college diver to uh, a professional full-time gymnastics coach. It's a great story, and and thank you for bringing that up. You're right, he is originally from Huntsville. Uh, now, without further ado, I want to introduce to you guys and, and girls in the listening audience a first-time guest, but we hope he will become a regular guest. Uh, a longtime friend of mine, uh, and, and he's kind of in between the age group of myself and Drew, 
But all three of us are big time recruiting, uh, team depth chart, you know, Red Elephant Club, all that good stuff. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Stein, known as LJS Law on the internet, but just plain old Jimmy to the rest of us. Jimmy, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Doing really well. Appreciate uh, you and Drew having me on. Thanks. We're glad to have you. And uh, one thing that you have gotten into in the last year or so uh, is a podcast called Talking Tuscaloosa with your friend and mine, Luke Robinson. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how that originated and how they can listen to it? Sure. Uh, Luke, Luke and I both uh, write a blog on, on a website called Crimson Country Club. You can find it at crimsoncountryclub.com. And, and uh, the guy that runs the website thought uh, Luke and I would uh, be great on a podcast. He was probably wrong about that, but we we tried it anyway. And it's been going for about six, six seven months, and we, we've done it through the whole year. It's not uh, uh, something that, that's just football season only. We did it through football basketball through uh through signing day for spring football and it's something that luke and i do year round and the easiest way to find it is just a really just a google talking tuscaloosa podcast and it'll pop up first on your screen and uh we have a new podcast probably about once every 10 days it's not weekly or even bi-weekly but really about once every 10 days it'll be more well, regular once uh once, once practice starts up well and jimmy i don't want to you know <laughs> make you feel old and make myself feel old as well. But I got to say, uh, this is the first time I've ever gotten to speak with you. I, we've, I know I used to be Drew D on TI and I've been around TI for about a decade. Yeah. And I, I know I've pretty much been Drew D on every website, but I will say if it's not a Bama website, if you hadn't seen LJS long, that's the way I kind of look at it. Pretty much every website I've been a member of you've posted and given your commentary and thoughts and you, I always thought you were very sharp. I do miss, I'm not going to lie, the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, being in Mobile and you being yeah. at every practice. You, I will give you yeah. credit. You discovered Wallace Gilberry. Yes, you did, <laughs> years ago. And uh, and he turned into a – and he's having a great NFL career still. And it can be argued yeah. that he was the best pass rusher of the Saban era. And I still kind of sure. wish he could have – I do wish. There's no telling how good Wallace could have been under Coach Saban. Uh, if he had been able to, to spend more than one year under their tutelage. But I will say it's an honor to have you on and to finally speak with you personally. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm glad to do it, obviously, from uh, posting on the sites and the podcast and everything else. This is my favorite when Terry asked me to be on for an hour. I told him it would be kind of hard to, you know, uh, <laughs> you know if, if, you're, uh, if your show lasts eight hours, and this is what we're talking about, I could, I could make it all the way through. Luke and I, when we started our podcast, we thought, we thought well, it would be a 30-minute podcast every week, but uh, Luke has the same same problem I do. Luke and I are very lucky to keep that under an hour every week. <laughs> yeah, we, we used to have a tradition back when I was single, uh, and, and I would go down and cover the Alabama Mississippi game, and then I would go to Jimmy's house and stay with him, Drew, and we'd sit around the pool and smoke cigars and we figured out every depth chart and recruiting question that there ever was under Fran and Dubos both, I think. And uh, that's what we're going to do now. This conversation, Jimmy, is going to be sure. just like a recap of those old poolside stogie chats. So I'm going to start by, you know, since you've been on the show for five minutes, now I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot. Uh, Drew and I have made our calls on Brandon Kennedy Friday. Uh, what's your gut? On Brandon Kennedy? Uh, I think yes, Brandon Kennedy will be uh, – I think Brandon Kennedy is going to be committing to Alabama – uh, he, he is a 
he's he's really in my mind a, a top ten, top twelve prospect in Alabama. I think under Nick Saban or any other uh, era in Alabama history, you always take the top ten or top twelve guy. We're kind of full at interior line position for this particular class, but sometimes kids are just so good you, you don't want to pass them up. You certainly don't want to end up playing against them, and, and I think basically they're going to uh, take Brandon Kennedy and uh, and one of these other kids like Lester Cotton or Ricky Pettibone uh, might find themselves playing some tackles. Yeah, I agree with you, but, yeah, Jimmy, wholeheartedly. I, I think it's going to be Lester Cotton just based on what I've seen in person and at combines and how – and how, how how drastically he's improved in the last year. He has the frame. I think he could be a right tackle. Uh, I, in my opinion, have not heard much buzz about George Brown. Do not know if he camped at Alabama officially, but I do know Christian Pellage from a very, very good source and friend of this program did not perform well. He will not be at Alabama. I don't know if George Brown is going to fall in the same category, but it's interesting you're not hearing much buzz. I do think, as far as offensive line class, the, the final piece may be Drew Richmond. I know there was a lot of buzz out and out in Oregon that uh, he's that he that he's still you know Alabama was still strong with him. You know we had John Garcia on. John was saying he 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 had heard a little bit of buzz about Alabama maybe not trending with him, but he wasn't sure he he uh, it, coming on strong. But he wasn't sure he believed that, and I'm not sure I do either. I think that uh, several of the kids, including Dallas Formack, were caught let's just say cautiously optimistic there. But I think Drew Rich is going to be a tough pull. I think Tennessee will be the main competition. But I do think Alabama's got a great shot at him. And if you pull Drew Richmond, uh, I think it's going to be still, much like last year, maybe the best offensive line cast in the country because I think Brandon Kennedy's the best center in the country. I think Dallas Warmack has a great pedigree. And I love him. To be honest, my favorite member of the class is Pettibon because of his lineage, but also because of the reports I got in Oregon, he was nasty. He did lose some reps, but you're going to against great players like that. But he did not back down, and I think he's a Barrett Jones type of kid. Well, I'm glad you bought up Barrett Jones. That's exactly how I compare Richie Pettibon to. Is Barrett Jones he reminds me a lot of Barrett because he's he's a versatile kid. You know, Barrett was an All SEC player at tackle, guard, and center. I, I can see Richie have, having that sort of success. Hopefully, we won't have to move him around like we had to move around Barrett in his career at Alabama, but. Richie is extremely uh, similar to to, uh, to Barrett Jones and what he brings to the table uh, in terms of his size, versatility, his athleticism. Uh, Richie did really well at the opening. You know, Lester Cotton was fantastic at the opening. Uh, it's another great offensive line group. And when you come couple it with what we were able to sign in the last class, it looks like uh, Alabama's be really good up front uh, in in the years to come. And Jimmy Drew didn't go exactly where I thought he was about to go with the Barrett Jones mentioned, but I'll go there. Uh, the, one of the best recruiting pitches Alabama has given Drew Richmond, other than calling him from the green room at the NFL draft with Nick Saban, was they have told him that being from Memphis, he kind of reminds them of a versatile guy, uh, a guy that can play any position like Barrett Jones. And by using Barrett Jones' name they and calling him from the green room, they really got Drew Richmond's attention and, uh, on his last visit. And uh, because every Memphis kid now knows who Barrett Jones is, he's the guy that pushed A.J. McCarron in the National Championship game. But um, So, Jimmy, uh, what is your gut feeling right now about where Drew Richmond might be leaning between Tennessee or Bama? I think, I think today it might be Alabama. I think last week it was Alabama. Last month it was Alabama. I do think 
Tennessee is, is, is the team to, to worry about. The longer Drew stays uncommitted, I think, you know, the longer that went on, the more I would worry that it's, uh, that it's Tennessee. Today, I, I think it's Alabama. Uh, we recruit that position really well. Tennessee, historically, even though Drew Richmond is an in-state player to them, Tennessee hasn't historically dominated Memphis. As a matter of fact, uh, it's almost weird geographically for those that haven't put a ruler to it, but Tuscaloosa's closer to Memphis than, than, than Knoxville is. Uh, I, I like for chances with Drew Richmond, but anytime you're talking about, you know, Nick Saban has changed the rules of recruiting so much for us Alabama fans, but anytime you're talking about an out-of-state kid that has offers from multiple elite programs. You're talking about the, the hardest kids to sign. So, uh, you know, Coach Saban makes it look easy, but it's not easy. So I, I, I like Alabama's chances with Drew Richmond. We do need a true tackle in the class. Drew, I believe, is a true tackle. I think he can play left tackle. He might be better suited for right tackle. But I think he's more of a, a true tackle prospect than the other linemen committed in the group. So, you know, ho- hopefully it will be Drew. If not, uh, believe it or not, it, it doesn't seem like it with 19 commitments, but it's still, you know, it's still six months to signing day. So, well, and, and Jimmy, I got to tell you, the one thing I like about the class, and I've spoken personally with almost all the commitments. I have not spoken with Dallas Warmack. Hopefully, he will be a guest on BAM soon. But uh, I have spoken with uh, Brandon Kennedy. I've spoken with Drew Richmond. Spoken with Lester Cotton. Uh, they're all very, very intelligent and football savvy. And I think, and, oh, and I do need to speak, well, I hope to speak with Richie Pettibon, but I've gotten, you know, I'm very fortunate to have gotten close with the uh, Barnett family who speaks very highly of Pettibon. And the Pettibon family actually was very instrumental in getting the Barnetts to look at Alabama very closely, luckily for Alabama. But I just really like the pedigree with all of them. I think they're very intelligent. And I think uh, you know, I think that's that's something that's lost a lot of times in the in the situation. You want guys that are football smart, uh, that yeah. can that, that think the game, and I think all those guys do. And I think uh, once y'all, they all need to go through a year of strength and conditioning. But uh, I do think, to be honest, I think the highest upside is Lester Cotton. Lester Cotton's a monster, but yeah. I mean, I still think that the class as a whole, with the the addition of Drew Richmond, and I agree with you. He needs to be the you need at least one pure tackle in the class. You combine that with the 2014 offensive line class, and Mario Cristobal should be a very happy guy. Well, we put the best uh, offensive line in, in maybe the history of college football on the field in 2012. Uh, I think these kids that we're recruiting right now on the offensive line, they know that they saw that. We have uh, now a great, uh, we've had a great amount of success in putting offensive line in the NFL. I think it. Uh, who would have thought in the 80s when Alabama, I think, you know, really kind of struggled up front and struggled putting, putting uh, guys on the field that would play in the NFL in the future? Who would have thought that we'd kind of turn into offensive line university? But, but really we have, and I give a lot of credit to that 2012 group of, uh, of Fluker and, and Warmack and Barrett Jones and, and Cyrus Quandrum and Anthony Steen. That, that, that might have been the best offensive line uh, is certainly in Alabama history, but one of the best in college football history. I'm sure it made quite an impression on uh, on the high school kids that, that were watching. Mentions the '80s offensive line, and all of a sudden I'll start thinking, what would Matt Hammond say? But anyway, uh, let's change the topic. Uh, let's change the topic. He, 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 he did a left tackle. Yes, he did. Ninety-two back. Yeah, he did. And uh, let's uh, change the topic a little bit over to the tight end position, Jimmy. Um, 
Some people think it might be Will Gregg or Bust, but if Will Gregg goes to Arkansas, Alabama's got a pretty good backup plan in place by just making Anthony Jennings a tight end. So, uh, to me, it's a win-win there. But we'll start out part one of the question being, uh, what do you think Alabama's chances are with Will Gregg? I'll be less optimistic with him than Drew Richmond. Will Gregg is a you know tight end from Arkansas. One of the things that I, I, I like about Gregg myself is I, I think he's capable of playing either either tight end position, either the Y or the H or the H back. You know, we see O.J. Howard out a lot. I think Will can play both of those spots. But, again, he's a kid from Arkansas that's going to have to leave the state. Uh, Arkansas does pretty well, keeping, you know, a lot of their – their, their best kids at home. Uh, Ole Miss likes Greg a lot. Greg likes Ole Miss a lot. And while Ole Miss may not have the, the top ten pedigree that Alabama has, it, it's still you know you, you basically going to have to drive through Oxford on its way to Tuscaloosa, you know from 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 his home in Arkansas. Ah, I think we have a real good shot with Greg, but if we're all uh, if we're all having to put. 20 bucks and a hat right now. Uh, I, I would not bet on Will Gregg being at Alabama, but, but Alabama does have a, a real shot. Well, and I'm, uh, this will be my only negative comment of the night, and it's not really a negative comment. It's just a depressing thing. The only depressing part of the opening for me was watching Jackson Harris, and that's all I'll Y'all say. He's, uh, he's a very, very good player. He would have fit Alabama perfectly. Yeah. You know, He has not – Signed with Georgia yet, but I think I still think the kind of kid he is, he's probably going to stick with that as long as they have a good year and don't make a coaching change. But I just think as a, as an, as a Y tight end, he would have been a perfect fit. <laughs> exactly. With him at Y and and, and uh, Hale Hankins, who's already committed to Alabama, who, who's a fantastic H-back prospect, uh, that would have been a fantastic combination for us. But, uh, but Jackson will be uh, going to Georgia, and Georgia has a Great recent history of putting tight ends in the NFL, and and uh, I, I think Jackson has been enamored with Georgia uh, prior to his uh, flirting with Alabama. But that was a loss. We'll, we'll see. Even if uh, I like what what Kerry said about Anthony Jennings, who's primarily considered a defensive line type prospect, but Jennings would easily transition to that Y position at Alabama and and do really well. So even if Alabama whiffs on Gregg and a couple of other ones like the kid from Miami or the kid from Texas, uh, I, I think we'd be fine with Anthony Jennings at Y myself. Well, Big Mike Williams started out on the defensive line, Jimmy, as you know. So Yeah, he spent a year practicing at Jack linebacker. People forget that. So, you know, he was yeah, before he Anthony put on Jennings most of the weight. Anthony Jennings was a lot like Big Mike Williams. I mean, Mike Williams and, and Anthony, I mean, if you watch – high school tape of, of the they're very, very similar uh, kids at the same stage, same size, everything. Yeah, I agree with that. The only thing I think oh, Anthony's a little bit shorter, but as Carrie will tell you, we had Anthony on the show. He does not mind contact. He's a good kid, too. Another, another smart another smart guy. There's several kids of the, of the, of the kids committed to us. There's a uh, a stunning. I mean, th- there's a lot of smart kids in this class, and I think uh, a lot of good future leaders in this class. And uh, and you know, everybody could use more of that. Well, and I, I, Timmy, I got to ask your opinion. David. You talk to a lot of people, and you watch a lot of film, and 
there's the, the one question I guess that I get asked a lot, and you know Carrie does too, and I'm sure you do as well. Everybody, the first thing everybody wants to know, and I sometimes I, I wonder about it, but they always like, okay, well, who's not going to be in the class? The class is probably going to change, and that's true. But when you look at the commitment list, to me, we just got to be talking to big, big lead better. I mean, we the interview went really well, sounded great. But the one kid in the class that I've heard uh, immediate things that he wouldn't be there, and it's mainly because of academics too. But is T.D. Moten, who, is, in your opinion, right. uh, you you think won't be in the class? I, as of right now, if you had to hold a gun to my head, I would say Moten, and that's it. But there seems to be a lot of people who are worried about Charlotte, who are worried about you know Led better. But in your opinion, who do you think will not be in the class? Well, that, that's such a difficult question for for a bunch of reasons. Uh, but number the number my number one guess, what I think somebody, somebody I haven't mentioned it, and some of it's just due to simple geography. Uh, but I worry about Leo Lewis from Brookhaven, Mississippi, uh, just simply because for whatever right. reasons that we may or may not want to speculate on, but I just find it very odd that Alabama under Nick Saban we can stroll into Florida and sign a kid that Florida and Florida State want. We can stroll into Georgia, and we can sign a kid that Georgia wants. But it has been extremely difficult for Alabama, even under Nick Saban, to go into Mississippi and get who we want. And for that reason in and of itself, for that reason in and of itself, I worry that Leo Lewis could could go to one of the in-state schools in Mississippi in the end. Uh, And part of the reason I worry about it so much is because I love the kid so much as a prospect. I I think he's a fantastic linebacker prospect and a great fit for what Nick Saban does uh, with this defense. Front seven at Alabama, Leo Lewis is a fantastic fit. So that's part of the reason I worry about it so much because I'm I'm dying to see that kid, you know, in crimson. So that's the one I worry about. Every name that you guys mentioned, every name, uh, you know, Drew, uh, from from Charlotte to, to, to better. Okay, and, uh, Calvin Ridley, who, who was MVP of the opening and, and, and proved himself probably to be the number one wide receiver prospect in the country. Uh, he's from Miami, and Alabama's just a long from from home. Uh, I, I worry about uh, an in-state school like Florida State with uh, with Calvin Ridley. So there's there's always a lot for uh, for me to stress over. Well, I, I got to tell you too, Jimmy, and I can help you a little bit with. Ridley, I'm not as concerned about him. Uh, you know, talking to Blake Barnett, I, I talked to him just a couple of days ago. Going to have a story up uh, tonight on him. But he, they had an instant connection down there. Had not met before, but they had an instant connection in the opening. He's been in constant contact with him since. He thinks Alabama's very in a very good shape. And the, one other thing, you know, is uh, and he, you know, you and uh, Carrie may have talked about this. But we had John Garcia on last week. And he, he he shed some more light on that situation with Sean Burgess Becker. I knew they were close as far as those two kids, but they basically live together. And I think if Alabama can keep Sean Burgess Becker happy and in the fold, you're going to get Calvin Ridley. I think the bigger concern with Calvin Ridley, Jimmy, is academics. And I don't think yeah. – am I saying he's not going to qualify? No, because both Scarborough, despite he still has some work to do, but he looks like he has a very good chance to make it. And, you know, we've had Darren Lake and kids like that make it. So there's a long way to go. And I think, you know, Calvin can make it. He probably has a lot of work to do because I don't think Nick Saban would have taken him otherwise, no matter how good he is. But I just think uh, the bigger question with Calvin is academics. Yeah. 
Well, Calvin and Sean Burgess-Becker committed on the same day, and, and, and I agree. I, I think the term package deal was something that's way overused in, in recruiting, and, and kids kind of kind of follow their own interests. But, uh, no, I, I think that that's an excellent point. It, uh, as long as Alabama uh, has a fantastic relationship with, with Sean Burgess-Becker, then uh, our chances with Ridley are good. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not – predicting any of these kids just like I'm, I wouldn't predict any one of them to flip to another school I would just say there's just logically right. a handful to worry about yeah and I think you're correct with that I think with LSU LSU is Charlotte I mean he did not make it to that Charlotte did not come to the camp this week as previously everybody thought and there's been some consternation about that but you know we'll see I think Dick Saban has had a lot of success in Louisiana but I, and I, I agree with you. I think I, I loved Calvin Ridley on film before he ever he ever went to the rival yes. five star challenge and tore it up. And before he went to the opening, I thought he was a spectacular athlete. I had people tell me, well, he only runs in the four sixes. I don't really give a crap. I watch the film. I look at his speed. I football pads, and he was running away from people. And the one thing I've heard about him is Amari Cooper. And I think Amari Cooper's success and being from the area is going to help, by the way. But I, and Mario Cristobal's presence. But I think, to be honest, the thing with Calvin is his route running ability and, and his hands, as everybody saw with the, with the viral video, catching the ball with one hand. And I mean, and I think honestly, uh, his connection. I think it was awesome that he got to connect with Blake Barnett. And I want your opinion because you followed this a long time, and I have too. I, you know, the two best quarterbacks that I thought Alabama had brought in during my my time, and I could consider my time the late '80s on. But the but two best quarterbacks that I, I thought Alabama had brought in in their time period. One ended up being a bust, and one was a very good player but just played under the wrong coaching staff. I thought Brody Croyle was a supreme talent, and then I thought Phillip Sims was going to be a supreme talent. But so much a quarterback is mental. and uh, But that's the one thing that I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and, I've, and it's because I've gotten to know him and his family and the people around him, and Kerry has too because we've had Dennis Guy as quarterback coach on but I have never, in all my years following this stuff, and you followed it longer than I have, but I have never in my life been more excited about a quarterback than Blake Barnett. And I'm going to be honest about that. And I think Alabama has hit a grand slam home run with him, and I think they got lucky. And, I, you know, everybody was was upset about the Ricky Town situation. But after watching – I know it's only seven on seven. I understand that. But after hearing some things about Town, watching his body language at the opening, watching how he performed, and watching Blake, I think Alabama came out on the better end of this deal. Uh, so I certainly agree straight up, based on what we know now and based on what I've seen now, straight up, I think Blake Barnett over Ricky Town. No, no question. So – we can call it getting lucky or whatever, but the bottom line is I, I think Alabama ended up upgrading, even though we were all down when, when Ricky Town decommitted and, uh, and and stayed out on the West Coast. Uh, I, I'm a very similar thought, Drew. I, I couldn't be more excited about Blake Barnett. Uh, I think he might be the best quarterback Alabama has signed uh, since the mid-'80s uh, or, or, or longer. Uh, I think he has first-round ability. Uh, between uh, between his arm talent, uh, his athleticism, his intelligence, the intangibles, the way that that uh, that he competed with the best players in the country at the opening, uh, I'm extremely excited about it. The only thing I would just put the brakes on, very similar to what you just said, I was very excited going back to when Alabama landed 
Tyler Watts, when Alabama landed oh, Brody yeah. Croyle, Thames. Uh, I found reasons. I found reasons to be excited about every one of those guys. And one other guy we haven't mentioned yet. Heck, I, I couldn't be any more excited about Jake Coker myself. Uh, I think Coker yeah. has well, the uh, potential. Oh, we all are. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah Coker has the potential. I think athletically, in terms of what Coker brings to the table athletically, I think Coker could be one of the best quarterbacks Alabama has featured in, in two or three decades in terms of what Coker brings to the field athletically. We'll see what happens when the lights come on. But, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited about Blake Barnett. I, I just uh, – uh, one of the most amazing stats, guys, that I think would blow away even college football experts from one coast to the other. If you told them the stat, they would be stunned. But, but Alabama has not produced a first-round quarterback since Richard Todd in like 1977 and yeah, I think that's you correct. Told, yeah you told uh even a college football expert that lives in new hampshire or montana you told them that they would go that's crazy alabama's probably put five quarterbacks in the first round no it's been zero since since 1977 and uh you know brody even got drafted you know higher than than aj did uh it's been a long time since we had a first-round quarterback. Now, Jacob Coker, I think, has that sort of potential. And now uh, and now I think Blake Barnett does. So we're well, doing I, the, we're doing for it to work out, guys. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, that, that you can't quantify in quarterback, and I think it's what set A.J. apart. I think A.J. had good physical tools, not great. I think the one thing – and I do think – I don't think – the one the one thing that I – the only negative thing I'll say about A.J., and it's not really – all his fault is, you know, I don't, because some people, it's just the way they're wired, but I just, I don't think he was a great leader of young players. And what I mean by that is I think he was respected among his upper class teammates. They liked him a lot, but I would equate it to kind of like Brett Favre. Brett Favre was never known as a great leader of men. He was more, he even would admit it. He's like, it's not my job to bring these guys along. I don't really think that was AJ's deal. But the one thing that set A.J. apart and why he had a great career at Alabama is he was good at living in the moment of a big game. and Everything slowed down for him. And he had what I call stones. He could handle the Alabama quarterback job. You have to be wired a certain way, wired differently to handle it. And I think that's what's going to hopefully set Blake Barnett apart because I interviewed him just recently after the opening, and the first thing he talked about was mental approach. And I think that's so big in quarterbacking because it's not the physical part, and he has that in spades, but you have to be able to mentally handle everything. And it's like his coach, Jeff Steinberg, said on our show to, on this podcast, he said, you know, Drew, it's not all the time the great, the best players that, that are, are, the, are the best athletes and the, the greatest players. It's the guys that are wired different. And he was like, and Blake is wired different. He wants to be great, and he can't get enough home study. He can't get enough weight room work. And the first thing he told Blake told us the night he committed to Alabama was he spent 30 minutes with, with Scott Cochran in his office. So he just he was he ate the whole thing up and the whole process up. And I don't think it's going to be too big for him. I think it's something his father told us he like he always he doesn't let pressure affect him and he always seems to rise to the occasion. And that's exactly what he did at the opening. Yeah, uh, Blake. Do, uh, uh, I think it's similar to AJ that way. Drew asked the 90-second question, so I have to ask the short ones. Uh, you see – you see, it's unbelievable. But anyway, uh, you, you, uh, Jimmy, you see a lot of football in Mobile and Baldwin counties. What do you remember uh, about Jake Coker when he was at St. Paul's? 
Oh, yeah, quite a bit, actually. I could probably go on the whole, the whole hour just on that. But uh, I remember nice. uh, yeah, I remember seeing clips of, uh, I didn't see uh, the first time I ever saw Jacob Coker actually one in person, but uh, it's probably a, I saw some, some highlights of his game, uh, just probably his junior year, a game or two into it, and uh, spoke with, uh, with Tony McCarron, even up in Tuscaloosa, AJ's dad, uh, you know, and said, you know, I saw some clips of, of the kid that replaced AJ, and he, he looks like he looks like an SEC guy from the clips. And kind of the first conversation I ever had about Jacob Coker was actually with with, with Tony McCarron, and, and now it's so surreal that here we are, Jacob Coker's replacing AJ again. Uh, it's kind of like a second time around. Uh, when Coker Coker really developed from his junior year to his senior year, his junior year he looked like a kid who might be good because he had the tools that you look for. He was tall. He had a big arm. He, he at the time, back then, he only weighed probably, you know, 200 pounds or, or 205, but he was a real tall kid with a good frame. He was shockingly athletic. Jacob was one of the best high school basketball players in Mobile, playing a tough schedule. His basketball schedule was against Viger, B.C. Rain, Blunt, uh, you know, LaFleur, some of the most athletic teams in Mobile are in his region, and he's still going, you know, 20 and 16 a night. Uh, you know, Jacob was a great athlete. He looked really raw as a quarterback as a junior, but by the end of his senior year, uh, I, I rank in the, you know, list that I've put together on Crimson Country Club. I had Jacob as the fifth best prospect in Alabama by the end of his senior season. Uh, he had been committed to Florida State at that point for months, but Jacob really developed when, when between that junior and senior year, turned into a completely different kid. Went from a kid who might be good to a kid that I knew would be good, and I felt he would go to Florida State and be a two or three year starter. Uh, I'm sure Jacob was surprised, as I was, <laughs> to get to Florida State and find a first round pick ahead of him, and EJ Manuel who was already there. And then while he's there, they bring in another first-round pick, you know, behind him and Jameis Winston, uh, and, and Jacob just never really got a, a chance at Florida State to be the starter, but he's uh, he's that good. I, I, I think his uh, his talent is right up there with uh, with those kids at Florida State, E.J. Manuels, uh, Jameis Winston's, uh, Jake, Jacob's as good as those guys. Well, Jimmy, I, did got... running the uh, wing tee as yeah, a junior uh, stop him from kind of being it, noticeable? He did. He did. As a junior, I think it's one of the things that hurt uh, Jacob in recruiting, Kerry, was he, they did run a wing-T offense when he was a junior, didn't throw the ball much at all. That's what I'm saying. Jacob, that's what I'm saying. When you see Jacob as a junior, he was like a kid that might be good. You just couldn't see it yet because everything he was moving to his right or his left, he was never in the pocket. He didn't throw it that much. But, man, just looking at him physically, I mean, half the battle is anybody knows, and you guys see a ton of high school football and have really educated opinions, you know, yourselves, you know, looking the part is basically half the battle. <laughs> and Jacob looked the part in the 11th grade. He just didn't play it. Then all of a sudden you go back and see him in the 12th grade when they switched to more of a downfield passing attack where Jacob was throwing the ball from the pocket. Then it was like, wow, that kid is good. There's not, there's no might to it anymore. He, he really developed as a, as a passer. I feel his uh, his senior season, and uh, as we all know, guys, we're just sitting here talking about the opening. Jacob didn't go do any of that stuff uh, during the spring when all those camps are going on. You know, Jacob was playing basketball uh, and, and not participating in the Nike camps, the Elite Eleven camps, uh, 
cobbles camps. He, he didn't do any of that stuff, and that, that really affected his national profile. Well, and, and Jimmy, I can attest to his basketball ability because when the North-South All-Star game used to be in Huntsville, and it was for a few years after it left Montgomery, and uh, when they were doing some renovations and Huntsville got the bid, I was fortunate enough to do the scorekeeping for basketball every year. He played on the North and on the South All-Star team and was a very athletic player. Uh, there was a lot of people that talked about him when they saw him, and I remember telling people, you know, he's uh, headed to Florida State to play football, and they're like, wow, I mean, that guy's a big-time athlete. And, and I think Alabama, to be honest with you, is very fortunate to have picked him up. Uh, they were very fortunate that, you know, you lose, you do lose out on Jameis Winston, but you get Jacob Coker. And I, I try not to be too excited, but I'm like you. I, I know A.J. McCarron had a great career, but – if with the coaching Jacob Coker is going to get, I think the only question about him is really his health. If he's a healthy guy, I think he can be a very good quarterback at Alabama. Uh, not just a game manager, I think he can be a difference maker. I got to coach both of y'all up a little bit here. Got got to coach y'all up a little bit. Um, and and I'm, I'm sorry to do this because I know y'all are both married to calling him Jacob, but the media guy is out now for Alabama, and he hints Jacob, forward. I'm sorry. Coach Saban and Tony Giles and everybody else, Jimmy, are going to be saying Jake. So we've got to make ourselves start calling him Jake. I know it's Jacob yeah. naturally because you called him Jacob for eight years now, but we got to, we got to get yeah. in our heads, Jimmy. The media guy's calling him Jake. Sure. We got to call him Jake. He, he's always yeah, he's always called him Jake. But the thing is, I mean, he's, everywhere you read is Jacob Coker, but uh, yeah, he, going by Jake's not a not a new thing for him. But that is that is uh, something like we we, we got to get used to, I guess. I wonder if it's Jake, is it, is it, junk it's Jake and the media. I haven't seen the media. The media yeah. guy just no, came out. Jake well, and the media here's guy. The thing. Well, here's the thing about the media guy, Jimmy. Uh, instead of uh, the first day of media days, them handing us a box of media guys like they have for the last 25 years, this year they put it on a damn hard drive, a little, a little flash drive. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I know how to do a flash drive, don't get me wrong, but I haven't taken the time to put it in my laptop and study it like the full-time people are able to right. do. But, yes, it was revealed on Monday, a couple of new walk-ons on the roster, da-da-da-da-da, Jake Coker. Every mention of him throughout the entire media guide, nowhere does it say Jacob. So I'm just trying to prepare all of us. Tony Giles is going to say, you know, Jake Coker's pass intended for, you know, he's got that going to be. So we got we to gotta get used to Jake, you know. Um, not necessarily Jake the Snake, but, you know, he, he could be Jake the Snake, I guess. But uh, that's already kind of been done. But we've uh, – He's a big boy. I mean, Jake. Jake. He. He. Uh, he's. He's a great. He's. He's way more athletic than AJ. Now he gains significant yeah. weight at Florida State. Uh, I've heard, you know, recently that uh, that he's even down in the 228 range now. He was probably after his surgery because of the inactivity. You know, because uh, you know after he had his little knee surgery, he couldn't work out and do a lot of aerobic stuff. He, he was probably in the 240, 250 range, you know, during that period of time. Right. Here he's down to, to 228, and uh, and probably has some of that quickness back. But for a huge kid at 6'5", 230, he is shockingly agile. He he he'll, he'll be a far bigger threat uh, running the football than uh, than AJ was. Uh, I wouldn't say he's he's not. He's certainly not a Johnny Manziel type, but. But uh, I would I would say really his athleticism would be more similar to maybe a John Parker Wilson uh, type right. type athlete uh, even though he is so much larger. 
Drew well, wanted, we, Drew wanted us to start calling him. Drew wanted us to start calling him Vanilla Cam, but I just can't do it. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I, I do want to ask one thing about uh, about uh, Coker, and I, you know, I, I know you know a lot of people in Mobile. Have you spoken with David Morris at QB Country to kind of get some insight into his situation? And if you have, what has David told you? Uh, no, I, I haven't spoken with, uh, with David Morse specifically about uh, about Jake. Uh, I, I've heard David Morse uh, tell others he, he's really high. He, he's really high on Jake. I, I think even privately he might even be higher than what he's going to let him publicly because one of the things that's just unfair to Jake is, uh, is the expectations that are out there for him. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way: a lot of my excitement about Jake isn't just from what I saw of him in the 11th or 12th grade. It's just from what I hear from other people uh, at Florida State that have worked with Jake themselves uh, has led me to this excitement. But that all being said, we have to remember that it doesn't matter how what a quarterback looks like in seven-on-seven or what he looks like in drills or working with his private quarterback coach. The only way to evaluate a quarterback is under a live pass rush when all the parts start moving around, when your guy misses a block and – the other guys in the defense you didn't expect and all the parts start moving around and there's 100,000 people screaming, you have no idea what a quarterback is going to be like until that happens. So until Jake plays in a game, we don't really know. That's the that's what I was talking about, the mental part of it. Can you handle the crowd? Can yep. you handle the big moment? Sure. And I, I think A.J. did a great job with that. That was why he was successful. Yes, you know, there will be a lot of people talking about the supporting cast he had around him and all the talent but you still have to go out and execute. And the best way to talk about that is Phillip Sims, who I think had more talent than A.J., had better physical tools, but had but had one, had, did not have the mental capacity to handle the quarterback job, could not process information and get the ball out of his hand, and he had a crazy father. So that just did not help the situation at all. I don't know about that. I'll just say this. I'll also have Phillip had Phillip stayed at Alabama, the, despite the fact things didn't work out for Phillip Sims when he transferred to, Ver, to, to Virginia and now even the smaller school in Winston's film, had Phillip stayed at Alabama, he probably would be the starting quarterback this season and Coker never would have transferred to Alabama. Uh, True. That's one thing. But secondly, I'm not surprised that Phillip Sims' career did not work out at Alabama but what truly shocked me was that Philip didn't go to Virginia and do extremely well. So I think it gets back to what Drew was saying about something between the ears or off the field just wasn't really working for Philip because he had absolutely had the physical skill, oh. the physical skill set to, to do really well in college, but it just didn't work out for no him. Doubt. All right, Jimmy, uh, hearkening back to the poolside stogie chats, and we used to figure out depth charts. <laughs> Uh, give me your offensive line from tackle to tackle against West Virginia. I'm going to say uh, Cam Robinson, the true freshman at left tackle. Uh, Ari Quandro returning at left guard. We'll, we'll, we'll still hold on to his spots. Uh, Ryan Kelly at center. Uh, incoming Juco, Dominic Jackson at right guard. I, I think beats out Leon Brown and wins the right guard spot, and, and Austin Shepard at right tackle. That would be my I totally guess. Agree that would be my I, I don't totally disagree with that, but can can, can, um, 
can, can the JUCO kid pick up the playbook that quick? That's and Leon knows a good playbook. question. That's I mean, a very, very good question. That's a very good question. Well, and you might be you specifically asked West Virginia. It might have been harder against my part to say that Leon Brown maybe starts at right guard against West Virginia and Dominic wins the position over the course of the season. But, you know, things have really changed uh, with these summer workouts and, and the fall camps. Uh, you know, the coaches going to work with the players a little bit more than they could in the past. I think that's going to help with the transition quite a bit. I, I'll just say athletically from what I see on tape, from what I see on tape, and I can be as wrong as anyone, but from what I see on tape, I don't see how they keep Dominic Jackson off the field. I think as good as Cam Robinson is, I think Dominic Jackson is as physically gifted as him. I think he's as physically gifted as, as any kid. He, to, me, he's, to me, he's like almost a more athletic fluker. I mean, uh, I, I think the sky's on him for Dominic Jackson. But you're right. If you don't know the playbook, it, it doesn't matter. If they don't know the plays and don't know who to block, it doesn't matter how good you are. So, yeah, uh, but I, I'm, I'm very high on Dominic. Right now, no question. William Barge said the same thing. We had him a couple weeks ago. He, and he right. evaluates offensive line talent as good as well as anyone the three of us know, and he agrees with you. Mm-hmm. I'm just concerned about the calls, the chemistry. I certainly could see Dominic Great. in there by Florida. Certainly, I was just well, curious about West Virginia. And the guy we haven't mentioned, we mentioned six offensive linemen. And you know, Jimmy, every time we hear Nick Saban talk privately or whatever, he says one of the top five offensive linemen on the team is Grant Hill. And I just don't see him getting a lot of run, even though he's a talented kid. I think with well, I Grant, think I, 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 think I, I, I love Grant. But yeah. What spot does he play? I mean, what, what does he take? And, and again, I'm, I think Grant will start next year in his junior year and then, and then in the NFL. I'm just not sure whose spot he would take, although I do think there's a possibility could start at right tackle and Austin Shepard goes to one of these guard spots. Whether it's the right side well, or the left side, I don't know. What do you think, Drew? Well, I was going to say, Jimmy, I, I, and I carry me. I told you this, but I, I did every high school game Grand Hill ever played. I went to Huntsville High yeah. School. I did. I, I spent three years doing their radio, and it was during his time period. And I saw him play right tackle, left tackle, and in, inside. And as far as when you when you projected him to the college level, I still think he's a guard. He went through and did a good – I thought he did a good job at center uh, relatively last spring, and I think he's going to be the swing guy right now. But honestly, and I just think it's because he's a very good kid. He's going to get his master's. He does tons of things off the field, and he is a a leadership-type kid, and he's busted his butt to get where he is, but he is limited in what he can do. Honest to goodness. I know sometimes you, you you play the upper class and because he's paid his dues. I think he would be could be the left guard and take. That's where I'd have him. That's where I'd have him. I would have him at left guard. Exactly. So lost his mobility. He can't really move as far as his knees go. That's not his fault. But I mean, again, he's he's a kid that the, the coaches trust. Though he's a very good person, very good uh, you know leadership type guy. But honest to goodness, because I've seen Grant play so much, Jimmy, he can pull. He has the athleticism to do so. I think, and Redfish and I and William Barger have talked about this, I think he can be a better player than Mike Johnson. Mike started out at tackle and moved inside to left guard. I like that. I like that uh, comparison. The only thing that gives me pause about that, 
the only thing that gives me pause about him at two, about left guard in particular, but, but really the guard spot is, as we know, Anthony Steen had to have surgery last year after the Auburn game, and he missed the bowl game. So we had an entire bowl practice season, which almost equates to a spring practice for a can. We had a bowl practice season with a completely open spot, and several kids were auditioned there. I think they wanted Grant Hill to win that right guard spot and start the shirt bowl, and, and he just did not beat out Leon Brown to that position. So because of that reason, uh, that's why I'm not too convinced that Grant Hill will move inside the guard and start on this team. The second reason being, and I realize that Ari is limited, Ari Quandra is limited because of his knee issues, but if we start a true freshman at left tackle in Cam Robinson, it gets back to those right. playbook issues and the call that Kerry was talking about. If you're going to start a I true agree. freshman at left tackle, you need to put a left guard next to him that, that, tell, that frankly just tells him who to block. Cam's not going to know it all. That's so a good point, I, I, think, I think Ari might retain that spot because it's helpful to Cam. Grant Hill, who, who I agree would be a, 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 a good guard, and he might win that spot. And Grant's a smart guy. Grant, I bet, already knows all the calls, even though he hasn't smart. started a game yet. But he is a real smart guy, but he doesn't have the, uh, the starting experience that Ari has at left guard. So that's why that's my projection. But, but let me tell you, I, I mean, I, I don't know what my batting average is with projections. It's certainly not 1,000%. So, so it's who a knows? It's a Mama K yeah, like 750. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm batting 750, I'll take it. If I'm batting 750, I'll be happy with that. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the recruiters don't bat that high. But, uh, well, let's <laughs> no. see. Uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit, Jimmy. Uh, who are your starting sure. cornerbacks against West Virginia? Well, that is a great question. Here here I'll go. Here I'm going to go in Kerry's direction in terms of how Kerry felt about Dominic not getting into the lineup quickly for not knowing the calls. I say that in, in terms of – there's no more than a prediction, really. I don't know that Eddie Jackson will be back to 100% health by West Virginia. So I'm going to conservatively assume Eddie's not ready by West Virginia, though he may be. And if Eddie is 100%, then he will start that game. But I'm going to assume Eddie has not fully recovered from his spring ACL tear surgery. I think West Virginia, we might end up starting Bradley Sylvie and Cyrus Jones at, at the corner spot against West Virginia but by Florida, hopefully Eddie Jackson is 100% healthy and Tony Brown or possibly Marlon, but more likely Tony Brown because he was there in the spring, that by Florida it's, it's Eddie and Tony Brown at the corners. That, that's partly how I foresee it, and partly that's more of a wish, if that makes sense. Well, it makes uh, sense, and that's good. I I slightly disagree. I only the only thing I disagree with is from what all the reports I've heard from very good sources, they've moved Tony to right corner to go head up with Cyrus Jones. And bluntly, I just don't think Cyrus Jones is, is is got the upside Tony does. I think Tony had as good a spring for a freshman as anybody saving pad. And okay. I've gone on on record to say, and I think he has you know Deion Sanders type ability. And I think to be honest. He's going to be the best freshman corner Saban's ever had. And that's talking about, you know, Kareem Jackson, who was very good, and Dean Milliner, 
I think he's going to start the first football game against West Virginia. I think they'll trust him that much. And I think Sylvie, I agree. I think he's, the light's finally gone on for him. He's always had the physical tools. He needed to get down mentally and get healthy. I think Sylvie starts. And then, you know, I, I think you'll see, you know, Jarrett Williams and then Nickel. And then I think, you know, the two safeties are going to be uh, uh, Landon Collins and Geno Smith. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I totally agree about how good Tony Brown is. I, the day that they are comfortable with Tony Brown knows what to do, then right. he's not going to be backing up Cyrus Jones. I mean, I, I think Tony is only a backup until the staff is convinced he knows what to do uh, because his physical talent is through the roof. And Alabama has produced some extremely high draft picks at cornerback under Nick Saban. Uh, three first-rounders, Kareem. I might be missing somebody, but at least three first-rounders and, and Kareem, Dre Kirkpatrick, and, and D. Milner. I think Tony right. Brown has has he has their physical talent. He's got Dre Kirkpatrick and D. Milner's physical skills. So uh, I think Tony Brown will be fantastic. But like any other freshman, uh, he's got to know where to go. If you don't know where to go, it don't matter how how good you are. Jimmy. Uh... Moving to the linebacker position, uh, a lot of us kind of assumed after the multiple concussions and the way A-Day ended and all that, that the starter beside Reggie Ragland would – I'm sorry, that Reggie Ragland would be the starter besides Trader Priest. But now we're hearing rumblings over the summer that Reuben Foster has maybe moved back ahead of Reggie Ragland. And Drew is from Huntsville, and he's hearing the same things from people that know Reggie. Uh, you think you think that – which of those two young men, Ragland – or uh, a Reuben Foster, you think starts West Virginia? Um, my answer right now is going to be right, and, and, and just 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 for just for this, and this this might be wrong headed, but on a day, the last time we took the field, the team, and on a day, Reggie Ragland was starting alongside Trey Dupree. So Reggie is my answer based on nothing more than that. But that being said, I have seen enough of Ruben to know that, in my opinion, in the in defending the run in the tackle box, Ruben is the best player on the team. I mean, the best player on the whole team, he's a true sophomore and hasn't even uh, played a significant snap yet in the game, but I, I, I believe that, that against the run inside the tackle box, Ruben is the best player on the defense now. Now, that being said, Reggie, I think is a better player in space than Ruben. So the way I see it, I don't know that there is an answer to that question. I think if Ruben is completely healthy and knows the playbook and Reggie is completely healthy, in my mind it might be a Nico Johnson, C.J. Mosley situation where we substitute based on down and distance, where Ruben's in on what amounts to the rundowns and Reggie's in on what amounts to the, the defending the pass downs. That, that's the way I see that. But I'll tell you this, there's a, there's 119 other teams in the United States that would love to have the problem of which guy do we start, Reggie Ragland or Reuben Foster. I mean, they're, they're both fantastic athletes. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think the, as far as the, for the next position group, obviously I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm thinking after what happened this past weekend, they won't be with Jerry, will not be with football when they go to Atlanta. But I do think the defensive line will be the deepest part of the of the defense and the best part of the defense. I think they're they're going to be much more athletic. I think you know 
uh, with Jonathan Allen and the strides he made in the A-Day game. I thought he was tremendous. Uh, but I will say, to go back to the linebackers, uh, uh, Jimmy, though, I do think the one wild card that could, you know, really take everything to the next level is Tim Williams because I think he can be really special as a pass rusher. Yeah, we, we, we've really been missing that. You talked about Wallace Gilberry early early in in, in the segment, and, and Wallace, I think still to this day, Wallace uh, had the most sacks under Saban at Alabama. We, we just haven't had a – highly consistent, dominant outside pass rush guy at Alabama under Nick, which is hard to believe because the defense is in. And Williams could easily be that guy uh, in terms of physically what he brings to the table. But, again, I, I just get to to the depth chart, and, and you know, when the spring ended, you know, he, he's not a starter. So in, until until he becomes a starter, I, I'm not going to assume too much about Tim, uh, who's still a young player. But I, I do agree – completely that the defensive line will be the strength of the defense. It's the best defensive line uh, that, that we've had under Nick in terms of the talent and the depth. It's not just how good the starters are. Uh, we go three deep with quality on the defensive line. And, heck, I, I'm not even sure in some of the national championship years we went too deep with quality defensive linemen. But now all of a sudden we've got about nine guys we can run out there to say nothing of true freshmen like Josh Frazier and Deshaun Hand, who, who could end up proving themselves so good that we can't keep them off the field. But uh, I couldn't be more excited about Ashawn, Jonathan Allen, uh, Jaron Reed, assuming assuming he's, he comes off his suspension, which I'm sure is coming, uh, Galvin Tomlinson, DJ Petway, even uh, someone we don't talk about, like a D-liner, uh, while, while D-liner is probably not a threat to be in, in the first-team rotation, uh, he would be at basically ten other SEC schools, you know, not, not well, to say nothing of of the rest of the country. So, well, we're really deep with quality players there at that position. Finally, I agree, Jimmy, and I, and then Kerry will back me up on this from the scrimmage we saw. Another guy to keep your eye on. He's finally healthy. I still think he can play. He'd be a third teamer, but I think he's quality, and that's Dakota Ball. I don't think I think he can help him. <laughs> You know, I mean, I like Dakota Ball. People, we recruit so well. We get so excited about the next group of five stars coming in that we so quickly forget how talented kids were a year ago, two years ago. I mean, Dakota Ball was at the opening. And he was at the opening. Which is is invitation only to basically, you know, invitations go out to basically the top 150, you know, in the country. And, and Dakota Ball was at the opening. This isn't a guy that chose Alabama over Georgia Southern, Troy, and Southern Miss. I mean, Dakota Ball was a high-quality uh, high quality recruit that weighed, you know, 280 pounds. And, and, and I agree. Dakota Ball is just part of a log jam, and it's just hard to get on the field at Nick Saban's Alabama, no question about it. Well, Jimmy, speaking of getting on the field, uh, with the fast twitch requirements now being added to even interior defensive linemen with the number of uh, run and shoot, hurry up, no huddle offenses Alabama has to play. Uh, if you're Brandon Ivory, aren't you a little bit worried about your starting job? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, I went back, I was just in this discussion not too long ago to the point that, uh, like the true football nerd I am, I got in a discussion like this and immediately that night when I got home, sped through about three of the final games from last year because I wanted to see how much nickel 
how much sickle we were running with leaving Avery on the field. And, and frankly, last season we still did a lot of that. Even though we had a guy like Ashawn Robinson or even Jeffrey Pagan who could move inside, we still played Ivory quite a bit when we were in nickel. Uh, here's my feeling to, an- to answer your question, the long answer to your question, but the, the short answer is I- Ivory I will be the starting nose guard in, in the base defense, and I agree that this year we will be in less base defense than we've ever been under Nick. It's going to be more nickel and more dime than ever because of all of the hurry-up-no-huddle offenses we face. And I believe that this will be the season that we go to more four-man fronts with Ivory off the field with two better pass rushers in the middle. I agree that we will do that this year. But but one fact remains, that that is a departure from what we have done. So and since it's a departure from what we have done, I'm not 100% convinced we'll see it because coaches are kind of slow to change. But I agree. I think there will be less pure nose guard, more of a four-man front where we don't have a, a guy that's a true nose guard on the field. And uh, we have the depth to do that this year. Well, and I've got to ask this question, and it's really the only negative of the whole depth chart situation. And it's really something we don't know until you see the scrimmages and until you start hearing things with the workouts. But the only thing that really terrifies me about this football team is what I witnessed in the spring, and that's the place kicking and the punting, especially the place kicking. It was, to say a word, atrocious. Um, you know, and it's sad because it, 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 I'm not saying – I hope Adam Griffith is going to be a good kicker. But it, the reason it's sad is because his film in high school was the best I've ever seen. He was a clutch kicker in high school. He made big kicks to win games. But it's what you talked about with quarterback, and it's about transitioning to the college level. And, you know, I'm like everybody else. I was fit to be tied after the Iron Bowl. Why in the blue blazes didn't they let Griffith kick a 30-yarder? Now I understand why. So I, I, he just he didn't have it. Uh, and so I, that doesn't explain why we didn't attack them through the air and, and to put them away. But still, I still think, what do you think about the kicking situation? I'm thinking that Griffith is going to get the first opportunity, but he's going to have a very short leash. And you could see J.K. Scott or even a guy like Gunnar Rayburn, if he can handle the pressure, be the kicker. What is your thoughts? Well, first of all, whenever you play a college football game and it comes down to a kick at the end, I don't care how good your kicker is, you may or may not make the kick. <laughs> you may or may not make the kick, and you probably did other things in the game in the first 59 minutes that screwed it up so bad it all came down to a kick. And that's kind True. of you know what I think about the Auburn game. That's first and foremost. First and foremost is I hope the team is so good it never comes down to a kick. I hope Absolutely. so. But unfortunately – we play in the SEC, and uh, we're going to play some really good football teams to say nothing of what's going to happen in the crazy playoff when we're having to play, you know, in Oklahoma and a Florida State back-to-back, uh, if, that, if that comes about. So there is going to be occasions this year when we really need to make a kick. So I, I am worried about it based on what we saw in the spring, based on what we've seen from Adam Griffith so far. But, but one thing, I, I'm no kicking expert at all, but I do think there's a difference between – a bad kicker and a kicker who is kicking badly. And that's kind of what I felt when I saw Adam a couple times this spring because I felt like he was a good kicker who was who was missing, like like a, a golfer that's got the yips or a golfer who's lost his driver a little bit. And 
Adams' kicks were solid. They were long. He booms the ball. There's a sound it makes. When Adam kicks the ball, it produces that sound you want from an NFL kicker. There's a boom when Adam kicks it that we didn't have from, from other guys like Kate or, or Jeremy Shelley or some other guys. Adam can really kick it. But he was just off. He was, he was pulling a lot of, of kicks. And I've heard you know, that I, I think he's a little banged up, uh, and, and that's affected him too. Now, whether that's something that always affects him, I'm, I'm not sure. But I, for those reasons, I'm optimistic that, that Adam's better than what we've seen, and, and I'm more hopeful that Adam will get this straightened out. If Adam does not get it straightened out, man, we're, we're in some trouble. It's going to be a true freshman walk-on, It's going to be, or it's going to be the guy from Colorado that, frankly, we recruited as a punter. But he right. can kick, you know, he can kick the ball. So if it ain't Adam... We're going to be going for it on fourth down a bunch. I'll put it that way. Yeah. That's the way I look well, at it. If it's not Adam, well, Jimmy, we're, we're going for it on a bunch of fourth and threes. Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm even kind of still worried about the punting. I, you know, Morris did okay, but in, in, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised he didn't transfer to try to play quarterback, but I guess he kind of likes it in Tuscaloosa, and maybe he actually thinks he can win the punting job. Alex, but Alec, Alec, Stephen F. Austin's on line one. Yeah, there you go. But I, I think, you know, Jimmy and I, I mean, uh, Terry and I talked about that. But I, 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 I'm, I'm a little nervous because of all these other punters we've had that have washed out because, you know, everybody – Mandel was the best one of the Saban era, and he was a walk-on. But I, if Scott is the real deal, I think he'll probably be the punter for the first game. But I'm still even a little leery of that. Well, that's right. I'll tell you something else about Scott. I've noticed – Scott's a good hey, I noticed I, Jimmy, my uh, nephew went down to the lawn snapping and, and kicking and punting, and uh, one of the instructors was Scott. And Scott is actually a good holder if he doesn't have to be the place kicker. Really? He's a very solid holder. So keep that in mind if, if Raven or, or Griffith wins the job. I think Alec, Moore, I think Alec Morris was holding in the spring. He was. Uh, he, he, he was. He was. And uh, Adam actually did better when he was holding. Uh, who was the other guy that was holding in the spring? Bateman? Uh, yeah. Alec, Alec did better when Bateman was holding than yes. he did when Morris was holding. Uh, not Alec, uh, Griffith, Adam. Adam did better when, when Bateman held than he did when Morris held, and yet they kept throwing Morris out there to hold. And I was like, guys, I, I was, that was just during the scrimmage. Uh, but what I noticed sure. here at the log snapping camp a few weeks ago is that J.K. Scott is, is is a very polished holder if he doesn't have to be the kicker. Now, i got to ask a curious question. Is he, is he been letting let, let, uh, LJ and let Jimmy finish his stall, but is is he a legit 6'5"? Oh, uh, tell you what, I think so. But he's also about a legit 185. Okay. <laughs> Man, the basketball player. Uh, the one point about, about, about fans and kicking. I find it very – it's funny to me. I guess it's the nature of kicking. For whatever reason, if we see a young wide receiver and he drops a couple balls or he runs a bad route or he does terrible getting off the line of scrimmage as a freshman, we go, well, he's a freshman, and as he gets bigger and stronger, he's going to get better. And that kid usually does. Now, fans with kickers are totally different. We see a kid kick as a freshman and somehow assume that's all he'll ever be. And it's just not true. I mean, we we um, you know we almost gave up on Lee Tiffin back in 2006. Correct. He 
he might he might have been the best kicker in the country in '09 when we won the national oh, he title. Was. Cody, he was. Cody Mandel he, agree, was fantastic the last two years. Cody Mandel was as good a punter as there was in America his junior and senior year. But his freshman and sophomore year, he was he was near bad. I mean, he, he right. wasn't a good punter as a freshman. He was just all we had. So the point about Adam is, let's see. I mean, let's let's see. Still a real young kid. And J.K. Scott's going to be a freshman. And if J.K. Scott wins the punting job as a true freshman, there's probably going to be some pretty scary moments for us because he's probably going to struggle. And then when he's a junior and senior, we'll be talking about how awesome J.K. Scott was and forget that when he was a freshman, he gave us a heart attack every time he came on the field. Well, I'm going to be honest. That's the one I'm still bitter over that with Lee Tiffin. He should have won the Groza Award when he was a senior. They gave it to some schmuck over at UCLA, he should have won it because the bottom line is, if he don't make the kicks against Tennessee, we're completely screwed. And, I well, mean, you know what? You can kick. say that. You can say that all you want to, but I'm sure as hell glad that Auburn game came down to Upchurch and not Lee Tiffin. Well, of course. I mean, I think, but I still think he would have made the kick. I, I felt like he got over his mental. I think he was a, Scott. I heard the story. Scott Cochran basically told him, "How good do you want to be? You want to be considered a liability or?" Or do you want to be a, a, an integral part of this team? And I think Lee, like Jimmy said, he he matured and got better. No, he did, but he missed the last kick of his career, a freaking extra point. I mean, he just never I knew. He never knew what was going to happen with him. Uh, it was just kind of bizarre. Uh, he he was a solid kicker, but I'm glad as hell that they changed that play and went out to Upchurch, and he didn't have to come in that Auburn. Well, I, you know, I know one reason why Coach Saban did that too, though, Kerry, and I agree with his logic. And I just wish we'd have done it against Auburn yet last year. But he knew if we scored a touchdown, they weren't going to win that game. If we kick a field goal, they could get down there in field goal range and have a chance. But if we scored, the way our defense had performed the rest of that football game, except for those big plays, those chunk plays Auburn got, there was no way in Hades that they were going to score a touchdown. And he was right. All right. Well, boys, uh, we're already 11 minutes over, so I think, I think uh, we promised Jimmy we'd keep him an hour. We've kept him for like an hour and 10 minutes. No, it's Drew's 90-second questions. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's 11 minutes after the hour. Jimmy, we want to thank you very sincerely for coming on BAMS Radio, and we want to invite you to come back at least about once a month if you can find the time. No, I love Obviously, my favorite subject is probably my fault. We went over, like I said, I don't shut up about this. No, no, it, it's it's fine. We we had we had some leeway, uh, but uh, we're going to go ahead and sign it off now. Thank everybody for listening to Bam's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We thank Jimmy Stein, Elisha Shaw, John Ledbetter, for Thomas Watts and Drew DeArmond. I'm Kerry Clark. You're listening to Bam's Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide. Bye.